0: This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC, text 84850, Steve Allen. On LBC. Morning everybody, Friday, I bet you're delighted. Everybody's delighted with Friday. You know why? It's
1: because it's Friday. The weather's gonna turn over the weekend. I'll tell you what it is later. Nothing to worry about at the moment. Why would you worry? You know, if you're if you're out driving for a living, if you're sitting in your lorry or you're delivering or you're driving taxis, it makes sense. At least you can sit there, it's fine. Of course the moment it rains, everybody wants you. Everybody wants you. Prince William's gonna pilot air ambulances from next year. Uh, The salary's going to be donated to charity. The bombing's starting again. They cannot. It's like dealing with children, isn't it? Joan Rivers adds one hell of a rant, which I'll tell you about later. Paris Hilton scored big time. Four gigs in Ibiza netted her £1.2 million. Uh, Truth be known, she didn't do anything. She just pushed a few buttons went, yeah, 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 and shouted into a microphone. It's a bit like this programme on LBC such a kind caring person as Steve Allen he's always always willing to give somebody a gentle hand up the ladder and push him off the other side as in the case of Chloe Madeley who tweeted me yesterday wanting to know what I'd been saying about her. so I'll repeat it for you Chloe uh, and then saying and he doesn't even know me and, and I thought to myself, no, unfortunately we all know you because you're well documented. You were well documented as a drunk driver. You were twice the legal limit. You ran away and left the car. The judge said it was one of the worst cases. She was banned for 20 months and fined. Uh, they reduced the 20 months, I think, to 15 months because she went on a, a drink awareness course. Um, and uh, she claimed she'd only had two cocktails. Well, as I've said on this programme a million times before, cocktails hardly contain any alcohol. They really don't. I mean, that's the whole thing you're paying for, is pretty colours and an umbrella and something hanging over there. And um, it was a serious one-off drink-driving offence. I wasn't sure if you were aware of this, Chloe. I just thought I'd remind you again... The reading was high. Twice the legal limit. Twice the legal limit. And then, of course, it was only a short while after that where silly old Chloe Maidley was pictured between a man's legs at a party smoking a bong. No, I didn't even know what a bong was. I thought it was something you got when people called you for dinner. And then, of course, the, my, my favourite classic quote from uh, from Chloe Maidley involved her saying... What was it she was saying? I'm one of them. She was saying that uh, because she's, uh, she has ambitions to follow into her... Uh, parents' footsteps as a television presenter. Of course, that's failed miserably. She had a few little bits and pieces, and then it disappeared. But she was saying, she said, um, you know, I admire people like Peaches Geldof. (laughs) I thought, this was written some time ago, as you can well imagine. I began to wonder then whether or not uh, Chloe Maidley was actually a danger to herself. She's desperately tried everything on the back of Richard and Judy. In fact, she only got back in the papers a short while ago because A, the boyfriend ditched her, and secondly, her father, Richard said that he was still having sex with Judy, and that's what keeps the relationship going, which was lovely, but you don't really want to share it. On the back of that, we had two boring interviews from Chloe Madeley on why her parents do that. Shut up! Go away! Go away now! Pff, pff, go away! Silly little girl, honestly. Do, do us all a favour, just like your brother. Try and be an adult, as opposed to just being a silly little person and an attention seeker, OK? Any more problems, do write to me. But uh, I've decided to block you from Twitter, because I've decided your Twitters were just about as boring as you were. In the papers today... Prince William, the good news is he's going to pilot an air ambulance, which I think, if memory serves, we predicted on LBC because he was doing that before and I thought that would be the best thing. I think he'd like to do that, but he's going to donate his £40,000 a year salary to charity, which is uh, which is excellent. All the stars uh, begging the Scots to stay in the UK. Very strange list of people. Do you see the little... Mick Jagger was sort of writing this sort of quite passionate letter. It's OK, I don't have a problem with that. The people who murdered the... Two students, the two medical students over in Malaysia, were high on crystal meth, which apparently is available for about 40 pence a hit. Now, I've seen crystal meth on sale in this country. When I say seen it on sale, I've seen the police programmes where they produce it and they go, this is a bag of crystal meth. And I know that when they deal it in London, and literally within a minute of here you can find it being dealt, they keep it in their mouth in a piece of plastic and they spit it out. And so that way, if, if they get caught, they just swallow it. I, I'm, I'm supposing they swallow it. I don't know. I don't really know how it works. But uh, I'm, I'm not aware of what crystal meth is. Is that the stuff you smoke, then? Do you, you smoke crystal meth? We're not too sure. Yeah, we, we, the producer thinks so. He's only doing it from sort of things that he's read some years ago in an article. I don't know what you do with it, either. Uh, status quo guitarist Rick Parfit plans to make a surprise return to the stage. He's, uh, he's fit again, they say. Well, in about seven days' time. So that's good news. Very happy there. The four in the front—they've worked fast in Malaysia, arresting these four people, and uh, they do face the death penalty. Uh, and here they all are pictured. You know, to be honest with you, um, I couldn't really care less what happens to them, as long as they get a fair trial and as long as it's proven within uh, beyond any reasonable doubt that they were the ones who perpetrated. Well, you can hang them. As far as I'm concerned, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Two people go over there and work in the hospitals and help out and give of their time. Admittedly, they were probably being noisy in a bar, but then most people in bars are fairly noisy. These people high on crystal meth, going to prove exactly how how bad it can be, and they then decide to stab them. One dies instantly, the other dies in a hail of stabbings, which is not so good. Joan Rivers has completely lost the plot. Completely lost the plot. Um, she's defended uh, Israel's bombing of Gaza that's left thousands dead and wounded, including children. She was asked by a celebrity website about the rising death toll, and she replied, The dead? You deserve to be dead. You started it. Don't you dare make me feel sad about that. Now, I appreciate the fact that, because it's written on a website, it might not be her writing it. It could be somebody else. On the other hand, she is fairly outspoken. She does say things. She's 81. Sometimes she gets a bit carried away. And if it is her writing it, and I'm I'm not totally convinced it's her writing it, uh, I'm not at all surprised. When she was told um, that almost 2,000 civilians had been killed, she said dismissively, Oh, my God, tell that to the people in Hiroshima. Not quite all there, is she? I'm going to see Joan Rivers when she comes That She's over here doing a tour, I think, come October. And a friend of mine said, I've managed to get us a pair of tickets. Now, I've seen a documentary on her where she she literally doesn't take any prisoners, but that's, that's quite good. I think somebody being fairly outspoken is actually good. I'm not one of these mamby-pamby people who go... Mm-hmm. You know, people who sit on the fence, bore me senseless. Absolutely bore me senseless. I think everybody's got to have an opinion. And uh, sometimes... I mean, it, it was always the, always the rule in comedy that how far can you go in comedy? How far can you go without somebody going, ooh, that might be a little bit too much? If you go to see Frankie Boyle, for example... If if you are of a nervous disposition, you better brace yourself because he literally rips into just about everything. It doesn't matter what it is. If there's something in the paper that he can make light of, he will make light of it, even if it's the most serious subject. Because I used to think years ago, what can you not make jokes about? And there were certain taboo things which you didn't make jokes about. Frankie Boyle doesn't have these boundaries. And I don't think Joan Rivers has these. And that's why people go. People go to be shocked because you cannot believe it's like watching Roy Chubby Brown, isn't it? When you watch Roy Chubby Brown, you, you, you watch a comedian who's honed his act. He's, his intention is to shock. But because he looks so surprised by his own language, it makes it even even more shocking. You can't believe that a man... It's, it's, I mean, in the case of Joan Rivers, because she swears and she does everything else in the act, you think to yourself, ooh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to hear people swear, but but she does swear. I was thinking the other day, and the more I thought about it, the more I, I couldn't quite get to grips with it quite get to, to grips with the way I was thinking, because we were talking about tattoos on the programme. You know I'm not a huge fan of tattoos, because after a while, when, when they're first done, very, very pretty, they look lovely. I don't work with anybody... Well, I don't think so. Wait a I don't work with anybody who's got tattoos on this programme. It's a written rule. If they've got tattoos, they're not working on my show. They can go and work on Elon Dale's show. He'll probably love it. But, I mean, it's not for me at all. And, there was, and there, there was somebody on the television, and they had tattoos, and they looked pretty. And then they had an older person, and they'd all blurred they go all blurry and they don't, and they don't look so nice because your skin starts sagging. And then I couldn't understand, because at one time it was only men that got tattoos, unless, you, you know, for some religious reason you had a, a tattoo put on you, if you were a woman. And I was walking behind this woman, who looked fairly smart, again, as twice I've seen, not the same person, but different people looking smart, and this woman's got a tattoo on the back of her neck. And I thought, I mean, I, I wanted to tap her on the shoulder and say, why have you got it on the back of your neck? without asking a patently obvious question of why it was there, but I couldn't quite understand. What's the purpose of that? If you've got a tattoo, surely you want to see it? Well, when does she get to see her tattoo? Never. It's on the back of her neck. I never... Like people who've got them in the middle of their backs. We've got somebody upstairs who's got one in, not Not today, but uh, who's got a tattoo on the back of his neck. And I don't, I don't want to name anybody, because it's not my business to do things like that, but I can't quite work out why you'd have a tattoo on your back. Have it on your leg, but far enough up so nobody sees it. You know, if you've actually got them on your legs, it's a, it's a bit chav, isn't it? I mean, come on. I know Victoria Beckham's got them, and I know that Davy Boy Beckham's got them, but they are two chavs. They are two chavs. You know, whichever way you look at it, they are chav. They're, they're not upper-class people. She's, she's moved into fashion, but she's still the same low-rent person she was before. I felt sorry. Poor old Dave's pictured again in, uh, in the Mail Online, out going to the gym again, all by himself, but with a photographer to get a picture. And then he comes out, and he has to get a takeaway. So quite clearly, she doesn't cook. She does not cook or do anything like that. So he has to get takeaways. The kids get takeaways. And do you think she can cook? I should imagine the smell of food makes her feel quite ill. She goes to the kitchen, they go, can you do sausages? I can't imagine. I mean, can you ever see Victoria Beckham saying, oh, I've cooked some food tonight. What have we done, love? I've cooked takeaway pizza. I don't, I don't think that she could do anything else. I don't see her as being a bit cordon bleu. I really don't. <laughs> 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, Mark, but they were talking about a bottle of uh, Plonk. When you buy it in a restaurant, it's about three times the price of buying it in the supermarket. And the idea is, at uh, some, some restaurants, you can take your own. So if you want to sit there with a cheap bottle of wine, take a bottle of wine. I, I, I was interested in Ollie's idea of, he said nobody would spend more than six quid on a bottle of wine. I thought, oh, uh, are not come around my place? I mean, I, I, I would think that would be fairly cheap, six quid on a bottle of wine. I mean, I'm doing an average of sort of ten pounds on a bottle of Prosecco, and if I'm doing a nice bottle of wine, seventeen pounds. That's buying it. That's not buying it in a restaurant. In a restaurant, the same bottle of wine that costs seventeen quid in a supermarket could cost you up to sixty quid, I would think. But that's the markup. That's what they actually charge you. If you don't want to drink it, don't drink it. That's why I never drink. You know, people go out to clubs and they buy bottles of champagne. Why? Get a bottle of Cristal in, uh, in a, uh, a supermarket, if you can find a supermarket that sells it, or an off-licence, for about £150. By the time it gets to a club, it's £450. You'd have to be stupid, or a footballer, to actually spend that kind of money. I, would never, I, I couldn't bring myself to spend that kind of money. It's just such, such a waste, isn't it? I'd rather buy a bottle for 150 I wouldn't buy it at £150 either, and then take it home and drink it. But the idea of spending £450 and having to share it with some people... Pfft, no, thank you. Quarter past four. Nick Ferrari and the team at seven o'clock. A major announcement from Nick Clegg will change the way we punish drug users. But are we too soft on those who take them? Plus, the council in Britain has raked in hundreds of thousands of pounds by targeting hapless motorists. And ahead of this weekend's Ride London cycle event in the south-east, Nick will ask, is it worth the disruption? Looking at the paper, Glenna Glaser, former political commentator with Sky News, will be in looking at the papers for Nick I'd forgotten about the bike ride. Where does that go to? Does that go all over the place? That'll be nice, won't it? we <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I'm out of the capital this weekend. Am I? Wait a minute. Am I out of the... Yes, I am. I'm out of the capital this weekend. As long as it doesn't take place in Brighton, I'm OK. So today I'm going down. Uh, my brother's decorating. So I said, I'll take you out for lunch. Feeling a bit reckless about things. Because I did go out shopping yesterday. Socks and pants. Not very exciting. It's not really the best sort of shopping you can do, is it? But I, I thought to myself, And I bought, for the first time ever, coloured socks. I've never bought coloured socks in my life. I always buy black socks. I've never... And I saw a packet of socks, and they were the same price as the normal ones I buy. Uh, so I bought seven pairs, and they were red, green, blue, pink, yellow, whatever they are. And so I bought two packs of them, and I looked at them, and I was going to put a pair on this one and I thought, what earth have you bought those for? You never wear coloured socks. You never put bright colours on your feet. What's the matter with you? So anyway, so then I, I did the watering, because it was another hot day yesterday. few want to scorch it. got the car washed which is very nice, so it always makes me feel a bit better about life. And then I went to go and get the socks and pants, which is very nice indeed. OK, then I come back again. Can't work out if I'm XL or XXL. Who cares? And, and I come back and I think, right, for tea, I'm going to have Chicken Kiev again. I'm kind of, I need to change this today. I'm getting into a boring routine of eating Chicken Kiev. It was Chicken Kiev or, or it became hot dogs. I thought, yesterday I'm not going to have hot dogs. I'm going to have Chicken Kiev. So, and I also buy a nice ice-cold bottle of Prosecco. Absolutely icy. It was just chilled to perfection. So I open that and I'm sort of I'm sort of watching a bit of television, checking the emails, and doing the bits and pieces, and uh, and I put on some Uncle Ben's rice because I'm a bit adventurous, you know. Open the packet, put it in the frying pan, and put a lid on top of it to steam it a bit, and and then I fall asleep. And I put the chicken Kiev in the halogen oven, and normally it takes about. About ten minutes to cook it, and it's beautiful. It's just at that moment the the garlic butter has sort of drizzled out of it, and if you leave it sitting in there, then it soaks it all back up again. It's quite delicious, and the Uncle Ben's rice would be delicious. And and I you know when you wake up and you can't remember where you are, you look at the clock and you think, okay, what where am I? What have I been doing? Okay, I've been to sleep. It's now twenty to five. OK, 20 to 5. Is this the morn? Where am I? Is this the morn? Where am I? I don't know what's had going on. And it takes you about two minutes to pull yourself together. And then you think, wait a minute, have I, have I, have I done my injections? No, I've not done the inj- I've got to do my injections. OK, I'll do those. Have I had tea? Have I eaten tea? And I look around, because I'm not sure. <laughs> I look around, and I can't find a plate. So I'm thinking, I've not eaten tea. Oh, my God, it's still in the halogen. Anyway, so I go to the, uh, the kitchen. The halogen oven's turned itself off, and inside are two black, charred little chicken kievs, the saddest ever. The rice has just given up the ghost completely, and is now practically popping itself in the frying pan. So I looked at it, and I, I touched the top, and I looked at the chicken kiev thinking, could I rescue it? You know, you know when you're really hungry, and, you look, and you've burnt the toast years ago, and it's used, my mother used to, whereas everybody else throws it away, my mother used to scrape it off. So you end up with all those black bits here when you get... See? Perfectly all right, isn't it? Yeah, OK. We'll have that. But I looked at the chicken Kiev and there was no way that this was actually going into my stomach because it would have gone like a lead balloon right down to the bottom. So I um, so I sort of threw, threw that away. And then I looked at the rice I thought, is that savable? Not really. And so I thought, I need to have something to eat. I can't get to bed without having anything to eat. I've got to have something to eat. So I opened another packet of Uncle Ben's rice and cut up two frankfurters and put them in And back onto those again, back onto the hot dog sausages. So uh, that's what I had last night, so that was great. And then I phoned a friend of mine and said, do you believe what I've done? And then I stupidly decided to Twitter it. Twitter it. And a friend of mine, David, who's a journalist in, in Reading, I've known... Oh, <laughs> hundreds of years, hundreds of years, and uh, and he said, you know, perhaps you need to get a takeaway or something like that. I thought I might have fall asleep before the takeaway got here. And other people were being very helpful, saying who's a silly Billy and stuff like that, as opposed to who's a silly Stephen. Mm. And uh, somebody else saying you should eat salad. I said, do I sound like the sort of person who should eat salad? It means i could have to go and get salad, and I didn't have any salad. And I couldn't. in the end, I thought it was easier to do the Uncle Ben's rice. So all in all, a bit of a disaster. And I didn't go and do the shopping that I wanted to do. But then I couldn't think of anything I wanted to buy apart from socks and pants. And then the producer said this morning, he said, but you don't wear socks and pants. I said, I oh, so do. so do. You know, he doesn't know anything. And uh, it's not like he's got inside information or something like that. <laughs> Steve Allen doesn't wear socks. I couldn't go out without wearing socks. Actually, I couldn't go out without wearing pants either. But, I mean, that's the beginning of the Let's move away. And, uh, and so that was that. And then and I spoke to a friend of mine. And she was absolutely exhausted. She'd had a really, really busy day. And I said, I said, I've just burnt tea. She said, you're a silly Billy, aren't you? I thought, here we go again. So we suffered that ritual humiliation. And, uh, and then I decided that I was, I was going to go to bed. So I climbed into bed. And when my head hit the pillow, I was out for the count. It really, it doesn't take any time at all to get me into bed. And then this morning I walk out, and the last thing I remember is, after I climbed out of the shower, I remember thinking, I must take an ice-cold bottle of water to work with me, because I like ice-cold water, and I can top it up when I get here, because we've got ice-cold taps here. The water's filtered, and it comes out ice-cold. So you flick one one button, it comes out boiling hot, so you can make a cup of tea. Other button, ice-cold. And ice-cold water in the morning is, I just need ice-cold water. And so then I thought, today... It's Friday, so all I've got to do today, uh, we've done all the, uh, the interviews this week, we've got three interviews to do next week, and I've got the funeral to go to. Mike's other half, John's funeral, is on Wednesday. So I think we've got to sort out the arrangements for that today. So I've got to nip in and see... It's all, it's all going on. So will nip in and see Kasia. Then I've got to get back home, pick up a quick cup of coffee, get in the car, make sure I've got some cold water with me for the journey, nip down to my brother's, take him out for lunch, which will probably invariably involve spending money in a garden centre, where he goes, oh, I'd like to buy this and that. And so I'm, me being the generous person I am, you know, I shall buy it for him. Then I shall come back up to town. Then tomorrow i drive all the way da- back down to Brighton again, thus avoiding the bike ride. And you think your life's complicated i mean i'm trying not to burn the ch- it's the first time i've ever burnt food well it's not actually i have burnt it before but i, I just felt a bit disappointed and i do just bought the chicken kiev because the girl in m&s said not chicken kiev again and i went yeah i'm really looking forward to chicken kiev today <laughs> oh shan't do it again shan't do it again uh, if you've got money you can be uh you can be um a peer it's it's cash for peerage and here's another one, a tycoon. He's donated more than £300,000 to the Tories, expected to be made a lord by David Cameron. It's unbelievable, isn't it? The more money you cough up, the bigger you, you move up the thing. This is Ranbir Singh Suri, who's the founder of Oceanic Jewelers and worth an estimated £40 million. He's one of 20 new Conservative peers due to be announced by number 10. Uh, he's given the Tories nearly 130000 since 2006 and 183000 through Oceanic. So he then becomes a lord, because he's donated money. It's, it's cash for peerage. A Downing Street spokesman said any appointments have been made in the usual way and are subject to the usual vetting and scrutiny by the House of Lords appointments and commissions. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, it's going to open the PM up again, isn't it, to these fresh allegations he's rewarding party donors with honours. They're also saying Karen Brady, uh, the ex-MSS chief... Sir Stuart Rose and Sir Michael Farmer, who's given almost £6 million to the party. Nick Clegg is due to name about six Lib Dem MPs, while Ed Miliband will get three. Oh, I mean, it's amazing, actually. Ex-Common Speaker Baroness Betty Boothroyd has accused the Prime Minister of filling the upper house with lobby fodder. Lobby fodder. Don't you just love the title? I and mean, she's absolutely right. That's the woman who claimed that she was um, a dancer, didn't she? And they couldn't find... A, what was it? Not a bluebell girl. Well, I forget what sort of dancer it was. And they couldn't find any evidence... Any evidence of that at all? Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, one here. This is uh, a Clydebank taxi driver. I didn't know there was such a thing. A Clydebank taxi driver. Good grief. Good grief. He says, I have to say, you are the Christopher Hitchens, the Richard Dawkins and Frankie Boyle of the radio world. You are the most truthful and mostly correct human being on Earth. Yes, I think mostly. I mean, nobody's perfect. Not even the Almighty got it right all the way through. So it's the best you're going to get, actually. A Clydesbank taxi driver. That's great. Uh, Dave in New York says uh, Christopher Biggins was on Big Brother's bit on the side. Gave Scott and Barbara a plug. I don't think Scott and Barbara need a plug. They're just just nice people. Just nice people. And um, another one here. Uh, It says... uh, uh, call herself a wife, Victoria Beckham's never made a pot of homemade soup in her life. Poor Dave. They do seem to be eating fast food all the time, don't they? Every time you see a picture of Dave and the boys, they're either coming out of Gregg's or something. Do you think she's ever cooked anything? I mean, I don't think she's ever cooked anything at all, but that's what, that makes it funny for me. I think it's quite funny, because I can't cook either, as I've just explained, so there's no, there's no point in, uh, in sort of worrying about it. If she doesn't cook, she doesn't cook, but they seem to have enough staff around... Say, but poor old Dave, obviously, goes for his workout with the photographer. So they come out, they take a picture of him, and he always looks depressed. Have you noticed? He never smiles. You know why? It's a bit like her. Never, never smiles because she thinks she looks awful. When he smiles, he looks a bit creepy. So he's always trying to look mean and moody and butch. And then he opens his mouth and you suddenly realise that uh, it's, it's not happening at all.
2: Mm. Oh.
1: Lovely picture of um, Simon and uh, Yasmin Le Bon. He's aged. He's said She doesn't seem to have aged. They're, they're on a boat. It was Cow's Week. Flying the flag, Zara Phillips with Mike Tyndall, And uh, Warwick Davis was, was on the struggling with his sea legs. I bet that must have been hilarious to watch. I know it's probably not the best if you do if you really don't feel very well on, on a boat. But Warwick Davis just makes us laugh. Just makes us laugh all the time. Other stories in the papers today. Oh, can't do that one. Yes, they're still going on with the uh, Oscar... Pistorius trial? I, I mean, how long's this run for now? This must... I mean, this has gone on forever and a day. I mean, they are now accusing him... Uh, well, in fact, the, the judge has said... The, uh, the prosecutor has said that he was deceitful and had got tangled in his web. I can't believe it's still running. I mean, didn't they say this weeks ago, months ago? The defence will finish addressing the court today, but the judge is expected to take weeks before reaching a verdict. I mean, I don't know. Are we, are we taking bets on it? Because it's a trial that's taking place overseas so it's got nothing to do with us. I mean, I don't know. Innocent or guilty? What do they, which way do you think they're, they're going to fall down on this one? I've see, uh, because when it first started, we were all very interested. Frankly, I'm bored to pieces now. Because I, I, I seriously thought it had finished. I had no idea. They now say he's made up the timing of events in the apartment. I'm now thinking the law in this country about talking about trials is completely different to us talking about trials in another country. But I seriously thought it had finished. I seriously didn't think it. Somebody wrote to me the other day and a few weeks ago saying, what's happened to the Madeleine McCann arrests? And I said, you know, I don't know. I don't know. We had all these. Do you remember about six weeks ago, eight weeks ago in the paper, they were saying, you know, arrests imminent, man gives himself up to police station. And we were supposed to be getting some sort of nothing at all. Nothing at all. It's almost as if they sort of drop a little tempter into the newspapers every so often and then they just forget about it. Because I don't think we're any nearer finding anything about Madeleine McCann. We took special sniffer dogs over. They went through Drake, they went through everything. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Like somebody went, Psh! and she vanished off the face of the earth. LBC News time, it's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm enjoying myself just for a brief moment. It's true, though, he does say that, doesn't he? People without... We were just talking about, um... <laughs> I'll tell you what we were talking about, which about Rupert Bartier Rupert Bartier and I are not similar figures, but you know we're we're both, you know, uh, carrying a little bit. But every time I th- I see him, he always he always says people with our sort of figures, Steve, as if as if my figure is the same as his. He is very Rubenesque. You know, people could have done a, a picture of him reclining on a bunch of cushions and you could be hard pushed to tell the difference between the cushions and Rupert lying there stark naked. I shall take that image out of my mind immediately. And we shall think of happier things. I can't think of anything happier, actually, than that. Uh, on the subject of the, uh, at the, uh, the tours, uh, Sorin. Says says, uh, looking forward to hearing your show at 4am. I've attached my World War I battlefield tour plan for you, should you ever grace us with your presence. Ignore the prices. He said, I've just purchased a newer car with full leather interior. See, that's, that's, you, you won me over immediately on that one. I seem to remember you've spoken to relatives who fought in the war. If you give me their details, it'll be my pleasure to look up their wartime history for you, which is another hobby of mine. Sorin, that's amazing. That is amazing. I shall try... Yeah, we had... Um, we did have some people that we lost in the war. Gosh, you've been over there for years now. Years and years and years. And he does these uh, field tours. And I'll just, I'll, sort of, I'll just tell you a little bit about them, because I, 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 we do so many of these sort of things on the programme. People sort of write in and say, oh, we went on one of these battlefield tours, and it was uh, excellent. Uh, so let me just try and find this one here. And this is um, what they do is pick up uh, the hotel... And uh, and then he, he takes you out. You go to the Pool of Peace Mine Crater, the New Zealand memorial uh, mess-ins of the German bunkers, uh, the village, the scene of fierce fighting in 1914 and 17, the scene of the Christmas Truce, and the uh, Pluckstier Memorial and Cemetery, and the Irish Peace Park. Wow. Wow. That's quite something, isn't it? That is quite something. And uh, also, uh, Hooge Crater, where liquid fire was used for the first time. And uh, one euro donation payable to the Honesty Box helps with the upkeep of the site. Essex Farm, where John McRae composed In Flanders Fields. The Brooding Soldier Memorial, scene of the first gas attack. Oh, goodness me, it's amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. That that looks fantastic. It really does. I'd love to do that, actually. I I uh, I might sort of take you up on that offer. I might take you up on that offer. I think we should, I'm, I'm, as everybody knows, I'm fascinated by history and I, I think that we should keep it alive and it's due to people uh, like Soren who, who keep these things going. It's, it's a very difficult thing to do on very limited budgets but people, people do manage it. I live in Dagenham. And can you tell me what that spotlight is that I see every morning coming from London? It's large enough to be seen clearly pointing straight up. It's supposed to do with World War I. I've got no idea. I've got no idea. We got we sometimes have them when we have um, special events in Leicester Square. They do have um, these searchlights that go up to sky. I never take too much notice of them. But whether you've got one at the moment, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. I really am not. So, if anybody else can help us out, please do so. Please do so. Um, Catherine, normally in Qatar, but now in Brighton. It's not quite the same, is it? Says I'm so joining you for a celeb bashing session glamping in Dorset today with a husband and kids. We're praying it doesn't rain. I think you should be alright today. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know in a moment. I think you should be okay. I think you should be. So I'll, I'll let you know. Uh, your talk now, says David, has made me fancy a chicken kia for breakfast. Not a good idea since I've lost four stone and four pounds so far on my diet from my doctor and I've managed to move my BMI into the middle of normal, whatever normal is. Yeah, I never know what normal is. I think you're just, you know, you're... A, the, the trouble is, there's so many temptations to eat food. And if you turn on the radio and there's some bloke sitting there chatting about chicken Kiev and ice-cold water, and the more you think... And or failing that, I used to wake up in the middle of the night and think, oh, what can I have? And I'd have cornflakes drenched with ice-cold milk. I mean, that was absolutely delicious. Just corn... No, no sugar. I don't do sugar. But ice-cold milk and cornflakes. I mean, just absolutely brilliant. In fact, the more I think about it now, I'd like it again. But I'm trying to stay away from milk. Not for any particular reason. It says, I used to drink a lot of milk. Now I don't drink very much milk. That's right. Betty Boothroyd is supposed to be a tiller girl, but they couldn't find any reference of her anywhere, could they? They searched high and low. I think she was just in a dance troupe and they might have thought they were tiller girls, but I don't think they really were. Uh, A friend of mine says uh, Helen, uh, because she's feeling fragile, can't sleep, touch of asthma. Where I used to work, lots of work-experienced youngsters who were great fun, but not always keen to do a day's work. But my friend, who's got a part-time job at Chatsworth, went one better. They had Prince William as their work-experienced student. Well, I don't think it gets much bigger name drop than that this morning. I don't think we're going to top it, are we? Uh, just a reminder, says Tam, Joan is Jewish, besides outspoken. Well, no kidding. No kidding. Joan Rivers, Jewish, please. <laughs> preaching the converted here. But uh, even so, she does, she does come up with some very odd stuff. She really does. It's not her fault. But uh, she is 81, so we put it down to that. It's Karen's birthday today. No. But you can have uh, birthday wishes. Birthday, do you? Birthday, do you? Birthday, Karen. Birthday, do you? There you go. Because we otherwise we'd be sitting here forever and a day doing people's birthday celebrations. And much as I love people celebrating a birthday, I always think there's something slightly mad at 22 minutes to five in the morning celebrating a birthday when it's going to be ages before the postman actually... Uh, actually comes forward with, with any cards, if indeed you're going to get cards. Now, Dan, I managed to see my doctor yesterday. He said, after weeks of him being off and struggling to make an appointment, and spoke to him about your Victoza injections. And he was happy to put me forward with the diabetic team and also mentioned about a stand-in doctor talking to me a few weeks back about the diabetes and gastric bypass. He told me it was the better option and he's referred me to St George's Hospital. So fingers crossed in the next few months I'll have an appointment to get the ball rolling. Oh, let me know about the, uh, the gastric bypasses. I quite like that idea. I've tried this Victosa and to be honest with you, when, when it first started, this is an appetite suppressant. It was designed for people with type 2 diabetes, and you take an injection in the morning, and it's, it suppresses your appetite. But the trouble is, it's kind of ceased to suppress the appetite, and I don't know whether or not I've sort of gone past it or, or whether I haven't. So uh, not not too great, I'm afraid. Not too great. Um, Alan in Clay Hall says, I, I use a tracking app so people can track me. Do you? I wouldn't want people to track me. I'd be quite worried about that. It was bad enough. Earlier on, we're sitting upstairs in the newsroom. And let's just say a fellow presenter on another radio station started reading all the stuff about me on the LBC website and go through the pictures. St- I'm sitting next to you. Stop it. Very odd. Very strange. Because if you go to lbc.co.uk, you can uh, find out all about me. And you can read the blog. Well, I don't know who wrote that. i would never read that blog on there before. Apparently, there's a couple of funny lines in there. So it definitely wasn't me that wrote it. And it's got pictures of the hanging baskets and pictures of all sorts of things. Quite nice, actually. Quite nice. Weather. Oh, here we go. Heavy, thundery downpours developing some sunny spells. So you're going to get that. Risk of local downpour, especially in eastern and northern counties. Sunny spells also likely later. Further southwest, heavy showers possible, mainly dry with warm, sunny bells. And tonight, further heavy showers affecting eastern counties, many parts dry. Tomorrow, most parts dry with warm, sunny spells. The chance of a shower in the afternoon and running through Sunday through Tuesday. Uh, Details remaining for Sunday. Uncertain heavy rain or showers expected and perhaps very windy. I love that. You know, it blows your hair around. It's like... I look a bit like Boris Johnson at the time that you know, the wind and the rain have sort of... I don't, actually. It's just a fib. I don't look anything like Boris Johnson. I wish I did. I wish I'd had his hair, actually. But it's going to be breezy with sunny spells and heavy showers over the weekend. So there you go. Ruined your weekend? I had a horrible feeling it might do. I'm ever so sorry, but that's the best they're offering at the moment. Uh, 8 for eight five oh, I choked on my slushy. says Adam. What's a slushy? Is that, um... That's... It's a what? Like what? Shaved up. Oh, that, oh, it's, it's, it's uh, slush. Right. S- I've never heard it called slushy before. Slush, yes, slush, and it comes in different flavours, and it burns the roof of your mouth. Yeah, I've had one of those before. I've had a few of those before. I quite, do you know, actually, you'd be, you'd be better off just drinking ice. Just getting ice and shaving it, putting it in a little machine and shaving it until you get ice. And then just, because it's another way of taking water in, isn't it? Anyway, as I was slurping away, he said, I, I coughed and had started to choke and couldn't spit it out as I was on the train. Very embarrassing. I, had that on the tra- I choked on the train once about a couple of years ago. And I seriously thought, oh, God, I'm going to embarrass myself on a train. You just can't stop. And you're trying to find your water and everything else. Always take water. Please always take water. It makes it so much easier. So much easier. Uh, volatile and edgy. The new Time Lord, Peter Capaldi in the papers on why he's bringing Malcolm Tucker to the TARDIS minus the swearing of court, the spin doctor. Do you know, I've not seen Doctor Who for ages. I wouldn't... I wouldn't know anything about any of the storylines. I don't know anything at all. I really don't. A priest yesterday became the first victim carrying the killer Ebola virus, brought back from Europe for treatment. Medics and ambulance staff, he's come in this sort of sealed unit. He was, uh, He's 75, taken to a military isolation hospital in Madrid. He caught the virus in the West African countries, attended infected patients. So it's obviously uh, doing the rounds, isn't it? Video Nasties, they've got a charity yesterday demanding an end to abuse kids as young as four being forced to give evidence in the same court as their attackers. They say there are 50,000 criminals, including killers and rapists, allowed to give evidence by video link. So why are 99% of 21,000 child abuse victims still put through hell of appearing in court? It's the new... It's the new sort of Jimmy Savile, isn't it, at the moment? I mean, if you could say such a thing. Because it's... Every time you open up the papers, there's a story about some sexual abuse. There's one in the papers today about a school... I won't repeat the story. You can find it in the papers for yourself today. And yesterday there was a story of a schoolboy and it turned out that the gym master had been abusing, he thought, loads of people in the school. And uh, the school didn't do anything about it. And then eventually they accepted the fact that there were problems. And it seems to have gone on everywhere. You know, this, you know, this, this word abuse that they bandy around everywhere. It, turned, it could have been anything from an innocuous sort of cuddle, which somebody interprets as abuse, to, uh, to maybe something full scale. But nobody listened to any of these people. You remember that huge one I mentioned a while ago? They turned it into a film. And it was in a a Catholic seminary. And it was a school run by Catholic priests in Canada. And they had a huge problem, but nobody believed the boys. There were a couple of priests there who were sadists. And they specifically joined the church, knowing that they could get away with it. Well, in those days, you could. In those days, it was quite easy because the kids were shoved into the, into the school to be looked after. Some of them were orphans. Some were in there. There was one in there with his brother as well. And they knew what was going on. Everybody knew what was going on. And the, and the kids had complained about it to the authorities. And the authorities had went, yeah, don't be so silly. People always say that. And, of course, the moment the authorities left, it carried on again until eventually somebody believed them. I think it was a journalist who was working for a local paper, and he he said, no, they've had too many of these things. I believe these boys. And he said, listen, you've got to give evidence. You've got to give evidence against this particular priest who was married with children. That was the worst thing, that the majority of people who carry out these attacks are married. And that's how, I suppose, they're able to do it, because nobody thinks about it. In this particular case with these Catholic priests, eventually they, uh, they tracked them down. And they put him in court, only because the boys had said that they would give evidence. It took a long time to give evidence. Many had turned to drugs. They were in a, a complete dreadful state. So, uh, who knows? I'm sure these stories are going to run and run and run. Uh, there's a boy who needed cancer treatment. Uh, his name is Josh Johns. He's seven. And he had his dream trip to Disney World cancelled when he needed urgent cancer treatment and he's got postcards from across the globe he was left distraught when his summer holiday to florida was called off as he needed chemo he's still receiving 50 of these cards a day and his dad jason said he and uh, he and his mum were blown away he said luckily we, we have an understanding postman do you remember the other guy who received millions of cards from across the world in the end they had to say please stop because it was getting mixed up with all their posts but uh, in an attempt to cheer this boy up. His uncle Matthew sent a postcard from his US business trip and then he begged Facebook pals to join in and uh, so they're they're hoping that they can get loads of cards for this little boy. He's got a leukaemia. He was diagnosed in March and treatment has made him very weak. I mean, you can actually send him... A card. I'm going to give you the the two addresses because I like things like this. And if it cheers somebody up and makes them feel a bit better that somebody that they don't know is thinking about them, I think that helps. You can send a message. You can visit postcards for Josh on Facebook. Postcards for Josh or at postcards for Josh. That's the number four on Twitter. At postcards for the number four Josh. On Twitter, so it's very straightforward, isn't it? Postcards for Josh on Facebook or at Postcards Number Four Josh on Twitter. See how many we can get for him. I reckon we'll we'll add a few a few hundred this morning because it only takes you about thirty seconds to do something like that. It's a nice thing to do today, isn't it? Nice thing to do. There you go. It's Friday. Do something decent. Quarter to five.
0: Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. It's uh, LBC. It's Steve Allen with you through until 6.30 this morning, and uh, then we'll have the uh, the morning news. Actually, Soren, you're um, about the artist Passion Dale Prince. Uh, link doesn't work. It says it's, it's not there at the moment. I just thought I'd mention that to you. Sorry, I was just talking out loud, as they say, on the subject of uh, war tours. I went to Vietnam last year, says Simon. We went to Saigon on a tour in the forest where the Vietnamese built these underground tunnels. Uh, they killed many Americans that way in the Vietnam War. Amazing to see and learn all about him. We even got to go in the tunnels. They were so small, but the tour guide was amazing. Yes, the, these tunnels have become a tourist attraction. And uh, Anne says, um, is it the light sculpture to commemorate the beginning of World War One?" Do you know, you're possibly right, Anne. Well done, you. Thank you very much indeed. Somebody else sent me something. Um, I, th- I think it must have come in yesterday, saying, I know how much you love... Um, saving history and stuff like that paul gordon's not having any luck with abter on his complaint he's tried desperately but it's just not not happening at all they're obviously thinking that the uh, it should be sorted out by the uh, travel agent but they're not you have to i think you have to push them even more i think you really do it's it's so annoying when you don't get the sort of result that you should be looking for um and wait a minute is this the one here I got so many of them. Oh, no, sorry. That was, uh, we get so many so hundreds of emails in the course of the day and I go through them as, as quickly as possible trying to sort of... And I should really print off. It would make it a lot easier. Ellie Goulding, apparently. Do you remember I was asking yesterday who Ellie Goulding used to go out with? She used to go out with that DJ who sent me a Twitter thing a short while ago. <laughs> so there you go. And, uh, oh, they had a very interesting one here. I can I can only show the uh, the producer this one. I can't share that one at all. Uh, With anybody here, I can only show it to the producer who gets very excited about things like that. Uh, Let me just have a quick check on uh, Twitter, see what we're all uh, doing this morning, see who's up and about. Scally Ranks is up and about, as indeed I knew he would be. Victoria's still following. And uh, Caris favourited two of my tweets about the burning of the... (laughs) burning of the food, I'm afraid. Not so good, not so good. And uh, Elizabeth as well. She said, it's Twitter, not an essay to some people. (laughs) <laughs> and then Yvonne said, you need to eat salad. Which, of course, is absolutely ridiculous. I don't do salad at all. If I do do salad, then I, I, I do salad with lots of salad cream on it. Because I absolutely adore salad cream. Salad cream on, on salad is absolutely the best thing that I can I can ever have. I've lost this thing that I had before. And somebody asked me for some help with uh, something. And I believe it was, a, it was a campaign. So if I find it later on this morning, I shall let you know about it. Uh, on the subject of uh, slush... Uh, Gene says, in Canada, the burns to the roof of your mouth, we call oh, that's what the, ah, that's brain freeze, is it? Is that what it, you know when you you have a cold drink and it hits the roof of your mouth, you go, oh, 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 like that, and you think it's, that's brain freeze, is it? Ah, because I've heard people describe that on the television, I thought, oh, God, to me, it's it's horrible. So that's what it is, burns the roof of your mouth, brain freeze in Canada. I think, Gene, uh, it's absolutely the same over here, absolutely the same. Uh, 84850. Oh, it's, uh, it's an artist installation to commemorate the moment the then Home Secretary, Edward Grey, said when war broke out in 1914. The lights have gone out all over Europe. They shall not be lit again in our lifetime. It'll last until Sunday. The column of light is 15 kilometres high. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you for that. It was nice to keep you up to date. You're up early this morning. Which is good news, I like it when people are up early uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. dot uh, In The Us movies made a record two point seven million pounds. I don't know anything about the inbetweeners. I've watched the interviews on the television. I'm not the wiser. Perhaps I should be uh, I saw a spider today. We had a spider on our staircase. I was coming down, but it looked as though it was it looked like a black widow. I mean it couldn't possibly be a black widow spider, could it? Could it? I don't know. It certainly didn't look like your normal house spider. Let's put it this way. It wasn't in my place. It was outside. And uh, we found a GP. She's a practice manager. She's been jailed for 14 months. Her name's Avril Piercy. Uh, she was working in a surgery, and she defrauded £53,000. Now, you would think £53,000, she'd have holidays, cars, jewellery, facelift. Um, you know, you'd think she'd have... No, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She's been jailed for 14 months because she's found guilty. What did she have? She had 140 pound a day what habit? 140 pound a day. Come on, Sam. What 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 sort of habit did she have? 140 quid a day she was spending on this habit. What do you think? Sorry? Cocaine? No. Not cocaine. Nothing to do with drugs at all. It could be considered a drug, but it's sorry? No, not really. No, 140 pound a day shopping habit. No. No. You won't believe I mean to be honest with you, she sold 53 grand for 140 pound a day habit of playing bingo. She was addicted to playing bingo, and you think, why oh, don't you just sit at home and phone me, and I'll go three and one, 31. Two fat ladies, 88. You know, so it goes on, you know, three and two, 32. I could be a bingo caller. might I suppose, much, I, well, I mean, I... I I was going to say, if the programme gets much worse, I'll probably have to consider it. But uh, seeing as the audience figures are up, we're all very happy bunnies. And uh, more of you are listening to the programme. So uh, thank you for telling your friends, which makes me feel a lot better about life when people do that. And they said, you know, I told people about Steve Allen and, uh, and they've started uh, listening, which is good. Uh, there you go. A lot of people are telling me about the, uh, the light. Thank you. It's going to run for seven days in the gardens next to the Houses of Parliament, says Ian. Thank you. Uh, We did a tour at Portland Place last night, says Shane the Train. They have a laser at 10pm every night. as a memorial for all the journalists who've been killed in wars. Good Lord. And Dean said, I'm just about to have a fish finger sandwich and a hot milk with a splash of whisky. Oh, God. Hot milk with whisky at this time of the morning and a fish finger sandwich. The fish finger sandwich sounds okay, but not the hot milk with whisky. That's only if you're ill. (laughs) Mark says, I'm going to the Austrian Tyrol after Christmas. Any tips on what to do? Take your own food. The food's rubbish in Austria. It really its the worst food I've ever had anywhere. I mean, they actually think it's OK, but their standards are not particularly high. And um, and so a lot of stuff, it, if you have salads, they're dripping in oil. Uh, they're very good at doing uh, sort of like a goulash kind of thing. But, and their bread's good. But well, that's about it. I mean, it's also, it's very pretty, but they're a bit bland over there. But you do see people in national costume. It's, I mean, even walking through Vienna, people wear national costume. When the Bavarians come in from out of town, they wear national costume. Nobody looks at them because they just look... That's what they wear. They don't even think about it. But if you saw somebody walk... Wait a minute, we do see people walk around with bowler hats, don't we? I'm assuming that's what people think the is the quintessential British outfit. Bowler hat, rolled up umbrella, Financial Times under the arm. Nobody ever reads it because nobody understands it, but you've got to have it there. But if you go to the, to the Tyrol... It is pretty, and I've always, always said when the snow comes down, it's like God's dusted a huge area with icing sugar. It's so, so pretty. Uh, uh, Kevin the Miltman says, I was just delivering in Charterhouse Square, looking at the light shining up and wondering what it was. Should I text Steve to find out? And blow me down, somebody texts in the same question. See? Because where else can you get it, you know? And now here's Mantovani. You know, they're not going to be going in this light you can see in the sky. LBC, of course. I can do it at this time of the morning. Because that's what people want to know, Kevin. He says, and by the way, happy birthday to Karen. Thank you very much indeed. Why do we donate money to find a cure for cancer? And then they find a drug which prolongs the life of women with breast cancer and turn around and say you can't have it because it's too expensive, says Pat. Yes, I don't understand it either. It's what it is. It's the drug companies who can hold them to ransom. They can say, this is how much we want to sell it. It's cost us, you know, £600 million to develop a drug for cancer, so it's very, very expensive. And the NHS say, well, we can't afford it. Why can't they just sort of take one of them, copy it, you know, have sort of designer drugs going everywhere? That'd be be an interesting one, wouldn't it? So you could find out exactly what was what was sort of going on but it is true people that they're always saying about cancer and saying how difficult it is for people and we've said in the past it's absolutely a nightmare i know people who have cancer i know people who've died of cancer and it's never pleasant uh but there was this good book and it's called you can live with cancer because i don't think it's this death sentence that people think it is all the time people say oh i've been diagnosed with cancer and you go you can live with it People live for years and years and years. Pablo says Steve's tale of burnt chicken care was rather sad and hilarious at the same time. I'm delighted that you laughed at my misfortune. To be honest with you, the the worst thing for me was waking up and not remembering whether I'd eaten it or not. (laughs) And when I looked in the halogen oven, I realised I hadn't and it was still sitting there. (laughs) I love the idea that in America... uh, Sorry, in in Australia, if you swear, they're going to fine you between £55 and £275. Go. They'd have a field day over here. Can you imagine if you stop people from swearing? If that sounds harsh, if you wear camouflage in Barbados, drive a dirty car in Russia or take e-cigarettes into Dubai, that can also land you in trouble. Because people don't know the law in other countries. Apparently Singapore has outlawed chewing gum on public transport. If you're caught with, with chewing gum, I'm afraid it's quite serious. That's why you don't find... Chewing gum spat out onto pavements because people stand there by the bu- I mean, I'm amazed at how filthy people who get on buses are. But well, I should imagine any of my uh, bus friends this morning will stand by that and say, people are d- I've seen people sitting there eating food on buses. Curries I got on one day, and somebody was eating a curry on a bus. What sort of low life does that? And then there was a woman caught in her car the other day. She was doing her makeup at the wheel in Wales with both hands. She had a mascara in one hand and the compact in the other. And as, a, as the bus pulled away from me yesterday morning, I was sort of looking at this, I was sort of standing there waiting, sort of staring up to the heavens, thinking, please rain, please rain. And this woman's sitting there, and she's got a, her compact hat. She's doing a makeup on the bus. Oh, dear me. Not so good. Uh, if you want uh, news of, uh, of what people... You know, I mean, mooning is illegal in Greece. OK, so if you think you're going to Greece today and mooning, don't. And what do you reckon the chances are? A friend of mine is going to go today on a flight from Gatwick, South Terminal, He's, uh, he's working till six o'clock this morning, and the flight is at eight. Do you reckon he? Can, we're actually taking bets on whether or not we think he can make the airport. By he has to get there to check in by seven thirty. He's already. You can do one of these paperless things anyway. So, and uh, I think he's cutting it fine. I said the only way you could probably do it on time is by getting one of these taxi bikes, but they're a bit expensive, and he's he's far too mean to spend the money on that. So he's going by underground train, and he reckons he'll leave here at six. So it's somebody who works in this building, and he's going to be at Gatwick in time for that flight. I'm I'm in two minds over with, oh, Too much hinges on it. He might not make it. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's LBC. It's nice to have you company this Friday morning. Prince William's going to pilot an air ambulance. They're still warning us about Hurricane Bertha. Every single paper carries the warning. I think what they're doing is erring on the side of caution. Why is Weather Girl, Sharn Lloyd, vanished from our TV screens? Literally no mention of it. One minute there, the next minute gone. Very odd indeed. Uh, Joan Rivers and her astonishing rant. Uh, the benefit-cheat fraudster who stole from children's charities, and he's now gone on the run. He's been sentenced to prison. They will find him. And are we any nearer men and women paid equally? The answer is no, we're not. You can have two people doing the same job, and the man, in most cases, will earn more. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. It's next.
0: This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Friday morning in London town. So it was too good, wasn't it, to be true? We thought that the ceasefire would hold... And uh, already there are reports coming out that uh, somebody has broken the ceasefire. We'll talk about that and more between now and 6 o'clock on LBC. Plus we have a couple of clips from In Conversation this week, because I'm here six days a week on LBC. Monday to Friday, 4 till 6.30 with the early breakfast. And then on Sunday morning between 5 and 6, In Conversation, two more celebrities giving of their all to me and telling me things that they wouldn't tell anybody else. And then I'm live between 6 and 8 on Sunday morning. And all of that... Your further listening pleasure on LBC. Somebody said the other day Steve Allen puts the smile on your dial. Not necessarily all the time. Although we, we go around grinning all the time. They're going to have us arrested. So, so occasionally we smile. Occasionally we find some funny stories. Occasionally we find some celebrities to, uh, to take the mick out of. People who actively seek publicity. As far as I'm concerned, our fair game, ladies and gentlemen. Fair game. Uh, plus we take all your texts and emails. 84850steve at lbc.co.uk uh, Somebody says the hot milk and a splash of whiskey, whiskey helps with the sleep. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I thought you took it for colds. When we were little, uh, we used to have in the uh, in the cupboard... What do they called Medicine chest in the bathroom. It was always a medicine chest. which had, We used to have Andrew's liver salts, which was salt which you put... I don't know why we had that. I can't remember. But anyway, the tin always looked a bit ropey and rough. I'm sure it was out of date. Although I'm sure in my day we never even had dates on things. And then we would have... Uh, perhaps some Beecham's powders. But, you know, the cold remedies now, who can be bothered to take a powder, empty it out of a little paper packet and then stir it with some water and drink it? So we take liquids, don't we? We actually go and buy a cold cure. I swore for ages with Contact 400 and stuff like that. Because in my job, if you get a cold, it's the most miserable thing ever. So because I'm in a high risk category, I get the injections every year for free. I get the flu jab. And so far, touch wood, we've been, we've been quite lucky. I've had a few sniffles and a few snuffles throughout the year, but the rest of the time is, is generally quite good. But they always say you qualify for the free flu jab because you're high-risk category. Because if you're diabetic, you don't really want to get a cold at all. Um, Steve, your, your spider could be a mock widow. Oh, dear God, don't even tell me about it. This thing's only got to move towards me, and I'm, I'm freaking out. Mary says cheese, beetroot and salad cream sandwiches. Cheese, beet, beetroot sandwiches. I'm not sure about beetroot sandwiches. I do like beetroot. Some people hate it, but I'm, I'm big, big into beetroot. Uh, the other story was uh, the one that people were talking about this morning. The, the gang who murdered the two British medical students, uh, they have been rounded up very quickly. They were on crystal meth, apparently, um, and they could face the death penalty. Uh, I did give you, I'll give you again that address for that uh, little boy, they want lots of postcards sent to him and tweets and stuff like that because he's, he's got leukaemia. That would be quite nice. Uh, there's the new aspirin drug that costs 10p a day. And if you seriously think out in the real world that men and women are paid equally, think again. It doesn't work in this business. It doesn't work in this business because this is, this is entertainment. So you might find that there might be some presenters on this station who are female who probably earn more than some of the men here. On the other hand, you might find that some of the men earn more than some of the women. It's, it's, it, very, it, it really is varied. But out in the other real world, you can find that there is a huge difference. Actually, in this world, I, I remember speaking to somebody a short while ago who's a friend of mine. And um, she does a radio programme. I'm not going to identify her in any way, shape or form. But it turns out that the man who she does the programme with is paid more than she is. Now, how can that be Right. How can that be right? In this day and age, I mean, people, if you're both doing the same job, they should be getting the same money. But, of course, they're not. And women uh, always get less money. And I don't know why that is. I really don't know why that is. Nick Ferrari and the team will be here at breakfast at seven. And this major announcement from Nick Clegg, changing the way that we punish drug users. I'm not sure whether or not that's going to go down too well. And uh, Elaine, the bus driver. Morning, Elaine. So on the subject of women doing makeup on the bus, as a bus driver and also a woman, I make sure that I pull away slightly jerkier than normal, hence making it difficult to control the mascara brush. Tell me you don't do that. Tell me you don't do that. Actually I, I was off my guard the other day when the bus dropped me at Waterloo, there were other people on it, but I was standing up and he braked for the traffic lights and I didn't nearly go flying. It's the first time ever, I'm normally quite good, I'm sort of look ahead. But I I, I bet you, you you really do actually. She, it's quite funny to watch in the interior mirror. <laughs> See, I do that. There was a Benny Hill program years ago. I told you, and it was being a bus driver, and it was when they had the open buses—the you know, ones that we've got now, the open at the back—and just as people were sort of running to get on it, the bus driver accelerates, so they fall. down. <laughs> people laughed. It was because it was—it was so true. It's this, bra- and I can imagine. Actually, the more I think about it, Elaine, the more I think you probably do do that. <laughs> It's the last time I do my eyes on the bus uh, Prince William is going to pilot an air ambulance from next year But he's going to give his salary to charity It's about £40,000 a year Because quite clearly he doesn't need the money There's also an increase in the number of patients waiting for an operation You've probably got experience of this Working for the uh, NHS And uh, sort of going into the NHS And there's now a cure, you know, There's a, a waiting list a mile long Because there are other people who seem to qualify more than you do uh, eight four eight five oh. Uh, you like history? My granddad was the nine-year-old boy and got caught in the crossfire and shot in the leg during the Tottenham outrage. Went to join the navy at sixteen. His ship was the HMS Phaeton that shot down a German Zeppelin. And he was in the Battle of Jutland in 1916. Survived two world wars. See, all sorts of people listening to this program. All sorts of uh, all sorts of famous people, and I think they are famous. I always say that everybody's got. Um, a story to tell. Every time you see an elderly person or an old woman at the bus stop, they've got a story to tell. They've lived through something. Every time you see an old person who's begging on the side of... That's why I don't give to any young people. Seems terribly cruel and heartless, but I don't. Anybody sitting there with a dog on a blanket, as far as I'm concerned, get off your fat bum and get out there and get a job. There's always something to do. There's always something. Oh, I can't get it because I don't have an address. Well, you can find it. You can do it. There is a way of doing it as opposed to just being an old drunk on the streets. But when you see elderly people, they've got a story. There's something about them that they've done. They've done something in their life that meant that they fell off the edge and they've now ended up in this particular situation. And it's all over the place. It's, it's you know, it's amazing. I'll tell you what we did think about the other day. Chapman Pincher, a friend of mine I got on the train with yesterday, Graham, and he said, who'd have believed that, that uh, this is the reporter who the Prime Minister couldn't silence, got to the age of 100? The age of 100. The spy catcher of Fleet Street. And uh, Harold Macmillan... Wrote can nothing be done to suppress or get rid of Mr. Chapman Pincher? And uh, there's lots of lots of stories about him in the paper today. His his name was Henry Chapman Pincher. He dropped the first name I think when the Express wanted a more pretentious byline equally at home with the aristocracy on the Grouse Moor, as he was at London's Swisher Restaurants. Some of his theories were regarded as ridiculous. He alleged that Hugh Gateskill was poisoned on Russian orders, but his mole-hunting infuriated leaders at home and abroad when he claimed one of the uh, his regular tables was bugged by both MI5 and the KGB. But uh, his son Michael said, while he was still coherent, I was reminding him about his glory days, and he just said to me, now I'm all out of scoops. He wed three times. He died seven weeks after a stroke at his West Berkshire home. It was his last joke. 100. Absolutely amazing, isn't it? Amazing. Chapman Pitch, I didn't know, he was still alive. There's probably something... see, I'm old enough to remember people like Jean Rook in Fleet Street, First Lady of Fleet Street, and some of the other, some of the other famous people. And then, uh, all of a sudden, you get a, a ghastly person. Here he is, a shameless fraudster. Glenn Moore and his wife, Lynn, a ghastly ugly some, Ugly inside, ugly... Outside, they thieved from a children's charity £290,000. They claimed benefits. They appeared to survive on them in a modest rented council house. But in fact, they had personalised number plates. They had a villa in Lanzarote. They were sticking two fingers up to people like you. And all they did, they went round and they gave uh, people, they, they made people give money in pubs. They just went round. Now, come on, how many times have you been in a pub? And you've seen people coming round waving a tin. People, yeah, they go up or so. They don't have no idea what they're giving to. Nine out of ten times, these people are bogus. In this particular case, they did all the pubs. They did the clubs. They did everything. £287,000 passed through their bank accounts and they thieved it all. It was for children's charities. They had no intention of giving it to any of them. They kept it all to fund their lifestyle. Uh, Glen, who's never worked, has fled abroad. Don't worry, sweet pea. Mr Glenmore. they're going to get you back. Because £290,000 don't go very far, does it? So uh, they will find you. Can you believe he's never worked and he's got to the age of... How old is he? 40 or 45 he was found guilty after a three-day trial. Each convicted. She pleaded guilty at an earlier hearing. So she got four and a half years, you thieving old bag. <laughs> I'd take away the food from them in prison. And uh, she, you know, it's, I mean, it's just amazing how people thieve from charities. I'm sorry, I just find it so distasteful. But uh, they, 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 they will get you, Mr Moore, don't worry. You can run, but you can't hide. We will find you. Because if there's one thing that even crooks abroad can't abide, it's people like you that thieve from children's charities you know. Uh, 84850, Steve, at lbc.co.uk. Um, she's been uh, dropped. She's been moved. Who's this? The first female captain of a Navy warship. Do you remember Sarah West? We talked about her a couple of weeks ago on the programme, because she was the, the first person to actually command a Navy warship. She made a big mistake, though. She had an affair with somebody on, uh, on board... I think her married third in command, and so they've had to go heave ho. Now, personally, I don't quite understand why this would be a sackable offence because I think you know you can't help who you fall in love with, and obviously they did. He was married, and so the whole thing turned a bit pear shaped, and they don't like it, and so they've had to sort of take her off, and they're going to sort of she'll be demoted, as it were. But she must have known that before she started. They've obviously got their rules, haven't they, and their, their regulations. I got it wrong. I'm sorry. I have to apologise. I don't very rarely apologise on this programme. But I'm going to apologise now because I made a huge mistake, a huge error of judgement earlier on, and the producer didn't spot it either. You, you missed this one? I said Paris Hilton at 1.2 million. 1.6. I'm so sorry. side <laughs> Sigh relief all round. Sigh relief. I put that, I've corrected that. I don't want anybody to think that Paris Hilton's working cheap and the fact that you can get her to work any bit... Four gigs, that is... £1.6 million, which means she's earning £207,000 an hour. How much do these clubs rake in? I've never been to a club in, in Ibiza, uh, mainly because I'm way too old for that kind of thing now, and also it's too noisy. I'd have to get them to turn it down and go, shh, shh, please, just a bit quiet. Can we all speak quiet? Thank you. it would be very useful. I still bump into people in this building, DJs, and they go, oh, I'm gigging this weekend. I say, I'm not surprised you're deaf. So I deliberately start whispering like that. So they, so they go, sorry? I go, oh, I'm saying that oh, oh. And that drives them mad. I do that to a lot of people, actually, including myself, because I've still got no idea what I was saying half the time. So 1.6 million. So my apologies to Paris Hilton. She's she's not dropped her price. It's just that I, I remembered it incorrectly. So she was hit last year and they brought her back this year. Apparently she doesn't do much, though. Other people do the decks and she just goes, yeah, yeah. Or whatever, you know, which is what they, they do at a lot of these gigs. 5.15 Ferrari and the uh, the team this morning from seven, a major announcement from Nick Clegg will change the way we punish drug users, but are we too soft on those who take them? Plus the council in Britain that's raked in hundreds of thousands of pounds by targeting hapless motorists. And ahead of this weekend's Ride London cycle event in the southeast, Nick will be asking, is it worth the disruption? No, it's not. <laughs> but I don't care, because I'm not here. Looking at the papers today, Glenn Glaser, former political correspondent for Sky News, now political, political commentator, will be in the studio going through the, the papers. Bridget, I don't know. I don't do that. Uh, somebody else does that. I've got no idea. Sorry about that. Um, and uh, what was the other side? Oh yes, I uh, having told you the other day about the the diesel debacle, which is raging on, and the sun's compensation campaign for all those people who were told change change to diesel. It's cheaper. It's better. Change to it now. They're saying, oh no, bad, no nasty, and so they're actually looking for people to join their online petition. Wind diesel, they say. Wind diesel. And uh, the first victory to us in the battle for justice on cars. Minister promises to look at help for motorists. Because I'd love to find out... Because it wasn't just one government, it was quite a number of governments who were saying, you know, change to diesel, change... So people did. They bought diesel cars. Millions of you. Millions of you bought diesel cars. And now they're saying, "Oh, you're going to be penalised. It's going to cost you if Boris has his way... About twenty-one million pounds. Twenty-one. Sorry, about twenty-one pounds a day. Imagine twenty-one million pounds to come into London. (laughs) Twenty-one pounds a day. It's a ten at the moment. It's going to be eleven pounds extra for diesel people. It's outrageous. Poor motorists. We are penal. I mean, I don't drive diesel, so I'm uh, I'm feeling a bit a bit better about things. Uh, Dave is about to drive back from Gatwick to Suffolk. He said, and uh, strangely craving chicken kiev with salad cream. Oh, no, I'm not sure about that. That's not a, that's not a great combination because they, the salad cream is going to clash with the garlic butter inside. That's the way I'm looking at it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a bit queasy on that one. Actually, talking, feeling a bit queasy. I'm feeling a bit queasy here because here she is, the extremely shy and retiring and very dreary Sarah Harding. Limbering up for a new thing, so she's done a photo shoot, which means she's going to be dreadful on this programme. Uh, it's called Tumble, and uh, it, uh, it, it, she, she's done an interview, because you can't really shut her up, she's a bit of a bore, on how she feels about her former bandmates. Mm. I'd be more interested, actually, in how they feel about her, which is total indifference, I should imagine. She hates Cheryl's huge rose bum tattoo, preferring her own. Uh, she's got one between her shoulders called Don't Be Bitter Glitter. She's a bit dreary, isn't she, Sarah Hart? How old is she? 32 Isn't she a bit old to still be playing around like a child of 18? She's 32. I mean, she should have settled down a long time ago, but she doesn't seem to really know where she's going in life, does she? She sort of uh, wanders about in some sort of bizarre kind of way. Warning as Bertha is poised to batter the UK. I'm not saying anything. I've decided that if it batters the UK, at least I could say, well, we did predict that. And if nothing happens, I can say, see, we were right on that one as well. Katie Hopkins' dreary column, I'm afraid, is just just drivel, I'm afraid. And she talks about the Great British Bake Off, which did well for the audience yesterday. Whether they stay there, I don't know. And her new husband has spoken out in her defence after fans criticised Cheryl for being too skinny. This was my joke from the other day when it was announced that uh, Posh Spice had donated 600 items from her wardrobe to a charity. And I was thinking, well, that's fantastic, but who can wear them? Her her trousers would probably just about make sleeves for a cardigan. Um, I mean, the rest of it is just for tiny... And then I read she was giving it to an aid charity over in South Africa. So I thought to myself then, well, at least there might be some people... So in other words, they're going to have people walking about in South Africa with designer clothes on from somebody they've never even heard of. It would be easier to cut them up and sort of turn them into something decent that they do need. Who wants Victoria Beckham's cast-offs? They're just going to fit nobody. 99% of you listening at the moment, if they turned up in a shop down the road, they wouldn't fit you. But anyway, Jean Bernard uh, says she's the most beautiful woman on the planet. That's not bad. A month of marriage and he's still very much in love. That's good, isn't it? After You wait till two months down the line. <coughs> He'll be a bit sick of the YA because I'm worth it. I'd love to know, though, if she's managed to eat out in posh restaurants. That that would make me that would make me smile. Sean Lloyd's vanished. One minute she was there on the television and she was everywhere. And then the next minute she disappeared. Fans have feared that she's too old at 56. Julie, I, I mean, I had no idea. Is 56 too old for women? Thank goodness radio doesn't work that. that. Anyway, she's uh, Britain's longest-serving female forecaster. She's not appeared on telly for months. No announcement she was leaving after 24 years' service. Viewers have raised concerns. One, one person wrote on, on their uh, internet, where's she gone? Where's she gone? She's been the face of IT weather, ITV weather for more than two decades. And, uh, strangely, enough, strangely enough, ITV have confirmed that she has gone but they say she left on her own terms. A spokeswoman said, Sean Lloyd... This will be from the press office. Somebody up on high said, deal with it, deal with it. Sian Lloyd moved on from presenting the weather on ITV to, pr- to pursue new challenges and opportunities. Her, uh, her, 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 her agent, Seamus Light, I think it is, or Lit, says she was now hard at work pursuing new opportunities. She's filming a number of shows on ITV, BBC and S4C and doing corporate and charity-related events. That's been keeping her very busy. She's got, apparently, her own website. It's called tvweathergirl.com. She did late date... At one Late? She dated, probably late as well, uh, Lembit Opik. Where's he disappeared to? He's gone completely, hasn't he? Anyway, she's now married a millionaire uh, called Jonathan Ashman, while uh, Lembit Opik went on to date one of the cheeky girls. Lembit Opik, who has failed as a politician, failed as a singer, failed as a comedian... Failed as a raconteur. Failed at just about everything. There's not really anything left for poor him at all. But uh, there's not really much left for poor old Josie Cunningham. Pictured out shopping in an Anne Summer shop the other day. Uh, Which is really sweet, actually, because I I don't really think even putting on that underwear, Josie, is going to help you, love. You know, I I think maybe facelift, cosmetic surgery, something like that. Perhaps moving would be good. And so now she's uh, offered people... um, The opportunity to watch her giving birth on Skype for £200 a time. They reckon she's pocketed £30,000 already for people who want to have ringside seats at the delivery. I don't believe anybody would ever pay that sort of money to anybody. To anybody at all. But uh, she's out shopping with all these bags. Is she still on benefits, or have we managed to get her off benefits now? I mean, it's it's interesting. She hatched her latest money spinner. Of course, she's as stupid as they come. None of these are money spinners. It's all just made up, I'm afraid. And, um... For a DVD of The Birth Collapse, they were going to do a DVD and then somebody said, I don't really think so, who'd be interested in that? She's cheap, she's tacky, she's low rent, she's uh, she's just beyond belief. But uh, we seem to buy into stupid people like that. So it was only in March last year she got uh, this boob job in a bid to be a glamour model, but of course nobody was remotely interested in her as a glamour model. I mean, even the Daily Star, and they'll take most people, they weren't interested either. Then she got pregnant by uh, an unknown man after a stint as a working girl. And uh, then she considered an abortion to appear on Big Brother, and then that was abandoned. And uh, so now she's going out buying all this this lingerie. I mean, but if you're pregnant, is, is it going to fit? Not really sure, actually, whether or not it's a waste of time. Uh, then they say she's got £30,000 for strangers for tickets to attend the baby's birth. Don't believe a word of it. Absolutely don't believe a word of it. And then uh, August, she sells more tickets to watch the birth via Skype. Don't believe a word of it. Not one word of it. I mean, this woman is too stupid for words. But can they go round and find out who her parents are? I'd be more interested if the son did a campaign to find out what her parents are and whether they're they're delighted for the way that that she's turned out. Any thoughts on Susanna? Now she's been running the show for a while. I've watched it a few times. She seems to be improving. Not by much, but getting better, says Jeff. Um, Susanna who? I think that's what they're saying in the business, aren't they? Susanna, who I don't know what they I don't know what they're doing with that actually. Uh, young Paul, <laughs> News to get him going. He said, "I can't believe how disparaging you were about Austrian food." We've got some great dishes here. Did you ever try? Oh, I'll have to. I'm not going to do it uh, in Germany. Is it uh, Rosbraten, which is roast beef done in an onion sauce? Or he said, well, "If you're into fish, there's nothing better than zander." When it comes to desserts, we have the world's best. <laughs> he says, "I'm going to a barbecue tonight down in the Prater." area organised by the British Community Association. Nearly a 100 people attending that one. Yes, we used to go to the Schweitzer House um, in the Prater, which is knuckles of pork, which come on a board with sort of a salad dripping in oil. <laughs> You've been there too long, Paul Hollingdale, way too long. He says, have a good time in Brighton, where I live when not in Wien. Yes, you have I knew you'd pick up on that one. Uh, can't say anything on this programme with somebody picking up very quickly. And uh, somebody says, uh, make up in public. I saw a young lady putting it on in the doctor's waiting room. That probably was the doctor in the waiting room. And the in us, Stuart says, I went to see the movie yesterday. Thoroughly recommend it. And I did get the Tom Baker photo. Thank you very much indeed, which we talked about yesterday. And uh, fixed, says Soren, on the faulty link. That's uh, passiondellprince.com. Yes, it it, it didn't link to anything. I shall try it a bit later on, just to make sure that it's uh, all up and working. No, no, brain freeze is when you consume something cold and you get a very uncomfortable feeling, hence the term brain freeze. But I think that's the same Brain freeze, that's when it burns the roof of your mouth. Oh, it's not. That's different, is it? I thought you said that was brain freeze. Stupid boy. I'm sure you said it was brain... Well, who was I talking to then? Have you just changed heads or something? Sorry? It was an email. I thought it was you that was nodding, going, that's brain freeze. Ridiculous, honestly. I always get things wrong on this programme, don't I? Well, I thought that's what brain freeze was. And uh, very kindly, Tony sent me in a picture of uh, the Black Widow. He says, does it look like one of these? Yes. <laughs> I hope it's not. I should have to get the hoover out and suck it up into the hoover and then make sure it stays there, I'm afraid. It's not very, not very caring of me, is it, this morning? But I'm a bit scared of spiders, because they run very fast. LBC Time, 530
0: Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning free 29 minutes to 6 now this weekend and every weekend. Between 5 and 6 in the morning, repeated at 9 o'clock at night in conversation. Every week, two celebrities pop in and unburden themselves on me. I try and get as much out of them as possible. Sometimes we laugh, we've cried on occasion. And uh, not th- not through the interview, but through some of the things that they've been talking about. But either way, it's always a good listen. And then following that at six o'clock on Sunday morning, I'm live for two hours with the Sunday papers. Have I mentioned that? I thought I hadn't. So I'm telling you this morning that uh, I'm going to be here this coming Sunday. So six days a week on LBC. All downloadable, all podcastable. And this weekend, no different. Two fantastic guests for you. Uh, One I've spoken to before and the other who I'd never met at all. My first is an extreme fisherman from Northumberland. He's also an actor and singer. It's Robson Green. And I wanted to know what sort of things he takes when he goes fishing.
3: Believe it or not, um, replicas of clothes, because when you're out fishing, uh, it can get quite messy, especially if the fish is over 100 or 200 yes. pounds, and so you get covered in oh, fish so, guts. and slime. Oh, I never thought so, about yeah, that. Yeah, it's all continuity, so there, there is a kind of chronology to the programme. So, yeah, we've right. got to so, say a lot of uh, replicas of clothes. So how many of you on, on, the, on the team? Can, it, it can be anything from 10 people to 30 people, depending on the sequence. Like a dive sequence, the lobster one, yeah. may seem like there's two of us going for a lobster, but actually there's a dive. Team around there for safety, um, which we needed uh, a while back. Not on this particular journey, but when I was in South Africa, and a female um, great white decided to turn up. That's when you were really pleased that there were friends around who could uh, protect you. It's but a bad place let me tell now. you, when, it is a bad place. But let me tell you, when a great white turns up. That day, Jesus wasn't the only man to have walked on water. (laughs) I came out of that ocean like a Polaris (laughs) missile. And the one thing I learned, I don't know if I've told you this before, but the one thing I learned that when they do the shark movies, you know the shark movies like Jaws 1 and Megalodon, all the actors scream. When a shark turns up, they go, Ah, it's a shark. Let me tell you, when a great white turns up, you don't go, Ah, it's a shark. You do this. (laughs) 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 That's what you do. Just a little acting tip, Leslie. (laughs)
1: Robson Green and there's more from him this coming Sunday morning on LBC when you can hear the interview in full alongside the other in conversation guest who is the Irish singer songwriter Sinead O'Connor now I have to tell you I'm being brutally honest I was a bit scared of this interview but it turns out she's lovely. So I asked her about her feelings on how the X Factor is impacting on the music industry.
2: I think that's the problem. I mean, uh, but look, I mean, if that's what they want to dream, that's what they want to dream. But it shouldn't be confused with being an artist or being a being a real musician, as such. If you, what what makes you a real musician is do you play live? That is, that's what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. If like those of us who are burning to be musicians is because we can't wait to play live. We'll we'll get, we'll do it in any circumstances. We'll leave our children. We'll go halfway across the world. Territory to fly and cling into the seats just to go sing two songs, Do you know, what yes, I mean? yes. in love with playing live, you know. And um, I think that's how you tell the difference between somebody who's in it for the right reasons or the wrong reasons, mm. Do you know. Do you watch it? The x actor I can't stand it. I can't stand it. And it's not that I can't stand the performers, it's the panel I can't stand. Right. It seems to me that the only requirement for the job is a whole lot of plastic surgery. <laughs> you know, well, and having, having made a ton of money out yes. of it. But yes. Look, the Birdie song went to number one. Mr. Blobby went to number one. Just because you put a band together, sold a ton of records, mm. that doesn't mean anything, you know what I mean? And I don't really like it at all. I think it's very dangerous, this kind of push towards encouraging everyone to just want to be famous and just want to be sexy and just want to be, you know what I mean, Um, because it's silencing all the other voices in music, you know. But more importantly, it's getting people into um, music for the wrong reasons. You know, like I say, the only reason should be that you're going to go crazy if you don't. But to me, you know, if you look down from the stage into the panel and realise what they're going to do is teach you how to be just like them, you should run.
1: And you get a lot more from Sinead O'Connor this week. She's—it's it's fascinating actually, because I'd never—I'd never met her, but her reputation goes in front of her. So I immediately check out whenever I get guests coming in. I check them out on YouTube. I check them out on their interviews. Their interviews are always very telling, and she doesn't suffer fools gladly. She's, uh, she's only interested. And because she is a singer-songwriter, she's not one of these manufactured people. She's been singing since an early age. There was a, there's a clip that you'll hear on Sunday morning where she talks about she just used to be singing in pubs from the age of about, I think, ten, if not younger. And the reason she did it is because there was a £5 prize if you won, and they wanted that £5 to put food on the table, so all her mum did was took her around to pubs. So she was singing properly for a, for a long, long time. Robson Green just, is just fun, He's just, he's just a nice person. So you get the both of them this weekend for In Conversation between 5 and 6am. Then I'm live between 6 and 8 with the Sunday papers. Your chance to, um, to get angry about some of the stories that the papers run, some of the celebrities that they pay money to for their exclusive stories. In the past few weeks, I think we've had The Sun paying a lot of money to Jordan uh, over a relationship that her husband had with somebody else, which was hilarious, very funny indeed. And uh, then we got Kerry Katona with her weight loss, and then I think we got Chantelle in just nothing, because Chantelle is just too vacuous, too vacuous. So I can't wait to see who's going to be on this week's uh, programme. So I never know until I get into the studio on Sunday morning what's going to be in the Sunday papers. There's no... Unless some major disaster happens or some major celebrity uh, decides to confess everything. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. We found the world's most expensive bedsit. Well, I think it's fairly expensive. You might not. It's on the fourth floor of a mansion block. It measures 15 feet 5 inches by 12 feet 6. Obviously not doing metres anymore in the sun. And uh, it's got a combined bedroom and living room, a galley kitchen and a shower room. It's set in Mayfair, and it's up for sale, oh, if you want to buy it. Uh, they, they reckon, actually, it'll be... It's a sort of person who does business in London and stays nearby at Claridge's. They'll think, I could buy a flat here, come and go as I please, and park my cash in a safe haven. It's got a 100-year lease. There is a service charge. The service charge is £2,205, and it's up for sale for... Just under the million, a pound shy of a million. The listed property, uh, oh, it's for, for the same price, you could buy this this castle in the Scottish Highlands. This is the one I told you about the other day. It's in Country Life this week. Forty bedrooms, and it comes with an art collection as well. For just about just over the one point two million, they're looking for offers in excess of one point two. But this bedsit, a million. It's a joke, isn't it? It's an absolute joke. I told you the other day they're building flats over the road from. Uh, Twickenham Railway Station, and a one-bedroom flat starts at £470,000. For people coming into London to work, they must be sitting back there going, four hundred and seventy you are having a laugh, aren't you? £470,000, and we go, no, no, that's exactly what it costs. Of course, it's great news for the, the rest of Twickenham, because it pushes everybody's uh, prices up, which is good. As I'm not often up at this time in the morning, says Laura. I thought I'd send a quick hello. I'm usually in bed, trying to stay awake so I can listen to the programme. Just as well I can't stay awake, because with the windows open, I don't think the neighbours would appreciate me laughing out loud every morning at the crack of dawn. So thank goodness for my podcast subscription, which means I can catch up whilst having my breakfast. My days would not be the same without you and Nick Abbott. I know, I often say the same myself. Hubby and I have not too long got back from Gatwick as we were picking up our eldest grandson, Louis, on his return from holiday in Cyprus, it was his 17th birthday. Yesterday, 7th of August, the poor lad had to spend the evening with EasyJet. Would you therefore mind wishing him a happy birthday from me and his granddad and also wish him better? He's come back with a bit of a cold. I can then play it back to him when he wakes up later on. It's outrageous. Go and wake him up now. Go and, wake up. Go and wake up. 17 years old. They should have boundless energy. Boundless energy at 17 years old, so happy birthday. I think I'd rather watch weather girl Miss Lloyd than her replacement... Lucy Virasamy. Despite the fact we can see the weather icons on our screens and hear what she's saying, Lucy insists on keep waving her arms around at the map of the UK like she's conducting an orchestra. Of course, the funny thing is she probably can't see. She can't see the map. She's probably working to either blue or green screen, as indeed lots of the weather people do. They're going here in the top of the country and they're looking at nothing. I always like that. (laughs) makes me smile a lot. Uh, 84850. And uh, and Mervin says, have you heard of Flight Radar 24, a website and app? Track down life flights and find their position and directions. Can you believe such a website exists? Well, yes, I mean, I've got one on my phone, which has got, I'd identify a plane or something like that. Whatever it is, it tells you the planes that are flying and where they're coming into. And it tells you what their call sign is and everything. But I've had that for ages I don't know why I've got it, actually, because I'm not remotely interested in planes at all. Archmed says, I really hate public transport. A few years ago, somebody was sitting behind me who was actually smoking a cigarette. Was that, you know, when you could smoke a cigarette? Terrible, actually. Terrible. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, Nicholas following me on the programme. And uh, Steve's one here from Russ Brain Freeze. Sorry, not Running Freeze. Apparently, running freeze is where you consume something ice cold, such as ice cream, eaten too quickly, it gives you a headache. Who ever wants to eat ice cream quickly? I could eat an ice cream now. Just at this precise moment, I could eat an ice cream. Do you know, there was a woman in front of me in the queue in Iceland yesterday, where I was buying uh, some lollies to take over to the uh, fruit and veg shop, some pastel lollies, and there's a woman in front of me, now normally... Normally speaking, in this country, it operates that if you're standing there with one item and somebody's got a whole conveyor belt, they go, would you like to go in front of me? Not a bloody bit of it. This stuck-up woman. She was there. She would piled everything on the conveyor belt, and I'm standing there with one box of ice lollies. And she looked at me three times, and I looked, and she's got the grubby kids who are running around. And I thought, any minute she's going to say, would you like to go in front of me? But she didn't. She didn't. And then the funny thing was, she was so stupid that when she she paid for her goods... She paid on credit card. okay. so she put them on credit card. And then so the the assistant gave her the piece of paper. And so this woman then said, where's my change? So the woman on the till went, "Um, you just paid by credit card. She went, oh, yeah. And she looked at me and obviously my withering look said it all like, you are dumb, dumb, dumb. You're the sort of person who goes, two children, where did they come from? I can't believe it. All quiet on the Western Front, because there's a guy in the paper. You like this one, Soren. It's a World War I expert who has turned his garden into a network of trenches. It's on page 31 of The Sun, and he's done everything here. He's, uh, he's got an officer's dugout, a trench ladder, a periscope. I bet the neighbours are thrilled. But uh, anyway, he's turned his garden here, and he's roped in volunteers. And they spent 18 months digging out 200 tonnes of clay and filling up sandbanks. Sandbags. Sandbags. And uh, other touches include uh, Lee-Enfield bolt-action rifles, bayonets, ammo and Brody helmets. It's interesting, isn't it? That people are so, I mean, you've, I've heard of people before who've turned the inside of their flats into something, like, you know, the Starship Enterprise, the control room from Starship Enterprise or something from Star Wars or all sorts of things. People love that, or 1950s recreations. But I don't think I've ever heard of anybody who's turned the back garden into, uh, into the Western Front and recreated the battleground. But uh, all power to him, I suppose. It makes it interesting and means that he's, he's keeping, it, uh, keeping it going. Uh, Gary says, had a great time last weekend at the London Triathlon. This is where you do lots of things, including swimming in open spaces. Even though the swim is a bit of a battle, getting kicked and knocked about a little, and the water in the Victoria docks did taste a tad nasty. Oh, don't even go there. Horrible. All to be expected if you start towards the front of the swim, sharing the same stretch with over 200 other swimmers. And uh, this weekend, something a bit more different. I'm going to do a three kilometre river swim at Henley. So no bike or running, but equally tough. At least the expected rain won't be an issue. Yes, I think actually when it rains, if you're swimming, that's lovely, isn't it? I don't have a problem with things like that. I certainly wouldn't want to be swimming in the Thames at Henley. But I'm sure it's a lot cleaner than the Victorian Dock. <laughs> As indeed, I'm sure everything is a lot cleaner. Eight four eight five zero. Steve at lbc dot uk. Apparently, Le- Lucy used to do the weather on Daybreak. Says Francesco. Thank you. Oh right, so she was she was dropped from there, was she? But we, I mean, we want Sean Lloyd back. We like a bit of stability. I don't like to think that. I mean, if it was her decision, fine. If she wanted to leave at fifty, I always worry when they say that they're doing a lot of charity work. You think, oh dear, they're not really doing anything. Why would she want to leave? She loves doing things like that. But if she's got other projects, fair enough. But well, I don't like it when people just disappear, at least say something. Actually, she owes it to people to say something. If she's done it off her own bat, then she should have put it on her own website, saying, I've decided after all these years that I want to pursue something different. And that way, then you sort of you hang on to the same fans that you've had all the time. So when you pop up somewhere else, they follow you. Quarter to six.
0: Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Twelve minutes to six Friday morning. Yeah, love Friday morning. I quite like vouchers. I wouldn't ever have vouchers. I went on holiday a few years ago. I'll only tell you this because it it kind of sort of puts it into context in a a story that's about a, a woman who is the wife of a Premier League footballer, Wes Brown, who saved £138 on a day out by collecting tokens from cereal packets. Now, you would think a footballer would be uh, would be very rich, but Leanne Brown used the, the Legoland offer despite her Sunderland defender hubby's million pound plus salary, and she passed on her thrifty tip to Twitter, Twitter followers, saying, wow, biggest queue in the world at Legoland, hope it's worth it. She said, we stopped off at Tesco and bought three boxes of cereal to get the buy one, get one free offer at Legoland, saved £138. Now... I went to Vegas a while ago for a magic convention with a friend of mine, and he was buying stuff for his for his wife and for the kids and everything else. But he had vouchers. He, he trawled the internet and found vouchers which gave him fifty percent off here, and then if you did if you spent so much, then there was an extra thirty percent off. In the end, he went armed with all these vouchers which he printed off on his computer. And so we arrive at this at this outlet store on the outskirts of. Las Vegas, and he's armed with, these, he was in there an hour, an hour, but he was so proud, because when he came back, he'd saved all this money on this, whereas I can't be bothered, I really cannot, if somebody says to me, oh, if you save this voucher here, then it's, it's like, you know, you can go for a meal at wherever it is, you know, Timbuktu, and you get 30% off your meal, but they say, you have to present the voucher before you you have the meal, and I reckon the moment you say, we're on a voucher, they then say, small meal, they're not going to give you a huge size meal if it's on a voucher. That's why you have to... I always think there's some reason why you have to tell them at the beginning. Because otherwise, at the end of the meal, you just hand over the voucher. It's like in our local Wimpy, in our local Wimpy, they've got an offer on breakfast. Buy one, get one free. So I'm a, now. Now, what I want to know is, if I go in there as a single person, can I say, um, I'll have the breakfast, but can you put both of them all on one plate? So I'll have two sausages, two fried bread, two, dip, two All of that. Or are they are going to say, no, it's only for two people? Because that's, that's what I'm not sure. There must be terms and conditions. Because otherwise, they might as well just give me two breakfasts. OK, I'll have my first breakfast. Now, can you bring the second breakfast? Because that's, that's, it's actually worth it that way. But if they say, no, you, there's got to be two of you to qualify, it seems a bit pointless, doesn't it? I could just invite somebody in off the street and say, just sit there and we'll have a free breakfast here. OK, you just sit and give me a cup of tea, right? And I'm eating your breakfast. Because if, if it's buy one, get one free. I want to make sure that I get the free one as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elaine? From Whitstable in Kent. We love Whitstable. <gasps> we love Whitstable. Says, listening to you whilst driving to Cornwall for our three-week holiday in Bude. Who cares about a hurricane birth? Rate? It'll make a great way for body boarding. Yes. Oh, I wouldn't actually think that way until you find out just how bad it is. But three-week holiday, that's good. Barbara Windsor used to say three weeks was the best holiday. A week to uh, to get over, you know, the work that you've done. A week to relax... And then a week to build yourself up, getting ready to go back to work again. That's what people do now. I've never taken a three-week holiday. I wouldn't know what to do with a three-week holiday. That fills me with horror. A three-week holiday. What would you do? A three-week... Steve Allen's going on holiday is a phrase you don't often hear around these parts. Steve Allen's gone on holiday. What? Steve Allen's going on holiday. What? Steve Allen doesn't do holiday. So anyway, so well done to to, uh, Leanne who saved 138 pounds. You would have thought they were being a football I mean there might be many of you listening Gabe, but she's a footballer's wife. Surely she can uh, she can afford it. She can. But, but just by being some cereal which presumed if she's got kids they're going to eat the cereal anyway, she can save all that money. I don't like queuing for anything. I really queuing is my is my loathsome uh, you know, it's, I, mean, I, I, I hate queuing as much as I hate Gary Lineker and his ghastly adverts. He's filming another one. They always tell you about Gary Lineker filming another advert. And I was thinking, oh, God, how boring. The sooner they finish, the better. I'm so bored, so bored. Oh, look, good heavens above. What have we found here? This is, uh, this is Jemima Thomas, who, when she walks down the street, she, leaves, she turns heads and leaves mouths hanging open wide in her tiny crop top and mini skirt. The reason is because they probably think she's drag. She's one of these people, she's had, um, she spent £18,000 on her surgery. She wants to look as fake as possible. It's a bit sad, really. Her first boob job cost £4,500, her second boob job, 3500 She's had 15 Botox jabs, costing £7,000, it's obviously going to the wrong place, and nine lip fillers at 3000 And, um, she says here, I aspire to being a Barbie doll. I'm going to keep going and improving myself. She's another one of these silly little show off people who occasionally they actually put in the papers. You never know what they do. I was, she loves her new look, but uh, everybody else is probably thinking it just looks slightly peculiar and slightly odd. So when she walks down the street and people look at her, they're, they're basically laughing at her because she looks so ridiculous. I don't know what she does for a living. I shall find out in a moment. She says, I want to look as though I've had surgery. Well, you, you've you achieved it, actually. You have achieved it. But, you know, she said, people look at me when I walk down the street. It's not in a good way, I'm afraid, because they, they look at somebody and, and you sort of think, why do you look so ridiculous? It's like every time I I look at the people on The Only Way Is Essex and you look at some of their ludicrous outfits, you can only point and laugh. It's dreadful here. But, but what she does, I've got no idea. She must have some sort of money for spending. She said she wants more uh, surgery. She wants to go to Poland... And she's found the rules very different. Surgeon there, surgeon's much more flexible and they agreed to give me double F implants. So she spent all this money on Botox and fillers and £18,000 on, uh, on surgery. I mean, I'm assuming it's because it's a little bit addictive. But then you saw the Bride of Wildenstein and how she turned out and that was a bit ghastly. And this poor woman here, I mean, she's probably some sort of glamour model, I should imagine. And, um, and she wears layers of makeup. I was looking at the other... That's why I mentioned... That's right. That's why she reminded me of it. Because when I was looking at The Only Wears Essex... It must have been an old one, because um, Lydia was draped all over Arge, I think. Uh, though she's draped over him now in the new one to get some more publicity for her, her business. But they, they were filming in the Fahir's sister's kitchen. And Joey Essex came back with his Kim Jong-il haircut, looking a bit stupid. And then he was saying, I don't, you know, I don't like to sort of... And he wanders around the house a bit because he's a bit simple... And it, it basically came down to the fact that he wanted to propose to his dreary girlfriend. Well, of course, that was all just a of old hocus pocus, wasn't it? Really, but it was the fact that the 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 Fahir's sister, who's got herself pregnant and had the baby, had so much makeup troweled on. I began to wonder: when you sit at home, and you're wearing that much makeup. Is it because you really look that ghastly without it? And the answer is: of course they do. They do. I'm afraid. Uh, on the front page of the uh, Mail today. The number of patients left waiting for an operation has risen to 3.2 million. These are people... It's a six-year high for hospital waiting lists. If it's urgent, they'll see you. If it's not deemed as urgent, you go back to the bottom of the queue and you stay there, I'm afraid, until they decide. I'm I'm sure it's like buying tickets for a lottery. After a while, you just drop off the end. Um, I'm glad you're not keen on long holidays, Steve. When you went to Las Vegas, we ended up with... I know... I know. I just don't do holidays. I'm not a holiday person. Somebody asked me the other day, you know, are you going on holiday this year? People always ask me, are you? have you booked a holiday? I said, I don't think so. I might take a few days, but that's, you know, I don't like to sort of leave you in the lurch. I like to feel with, uh, you know, a little bit of goodness and cooperation. I can sort of say, I'd like to actually do, Clive Bull years ago, years ago, used to, when he went ill, he used to play an old programme out. They would play an old programme out and nobody knew the difference. People would phone up and say, can I talk to Clive? And they'd go, bit busy at the moment on the phone lines. It was pre-recorded. Which I thought was quite a clever trick. I've never tried it myself. Tracy says, not a problem with small meals. Less calories. Yes. Apparently, Mary says, Café Gino's at Walton Bridge to a wonderful oyster cone ice cream. The ice cream comes from Cornwall and tastes like good old-fashioned ice cream. Oh, When we first went to Cornwall, as somebody was talking about earlier on, they said, oh, you'll, love, you'll like Cornwall. It's got yellow ice cream. Because it was made with cream and it was yellow ice cream. We went, oh, yellow ice cream. It was children. We were so impressed by that. Yellow ice cream. Delicious. Such a treat, wasn't it, when you were little? When you were little. London house prices, says uh, Nassar in Clapham, spiralling upwards. What will happen when the key workers can't afford to purchase or rent and opt to move out of London? I think they're doing that now. I think they're doing that now. People can't afford to live in the capital. They really can't. It's so expensive now. It's all right if you were on the housing ladder some years ago when it was considered relatively inex- I don't think it's ever been inexpensive. I remember in, in... I can only speak for our area. It took ages for the house prices to start rising. They, 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 they sat very low. And when you think, I paid 70000 for my place. 70000 I'm sitting on a tidy little sum. But, you know, there are lots of other people trying to get in on the market. And if I sell, I'm only going to have to increase the amount of money to buy something bigger. So you think, why? What would be the purpose? You might as well keep... I don't know what we're saving the money for. I can't think of any, any logical reason. Take off those Bake Off beards. They put us off our cake, say the viewers. And they've got a picture of somebody on the Bake Off called uh, Ian Waters. I know Ian's ex-girlfriend. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. But apparently when he went out with her, he didn't have a beard or any stubble or anything. I don't know how old he is, actually. I think he's, he's, uh, he's a construction engineer 31 He's the one from Northern Ireland, isn't he? Criticised for his thick beard. are you? And he... um, Actually, I haven't seen him. But I knew about him because she'd said to me, she said, he's on... uh, My ex is on the Bake Off. But uh, now they're being criticised for having beards. You can't win, can you? You cannot win nowadays. You really can't. And apparently, American Apparel is accused of peddling underage porn to promote schoolgirls' skirts. Have you seen how short some of these schoolgirls. I keep seeing all these children on the streets at the moment little tiny cut off shorts and little crop tops showing bare midriff only if you're very very thin if you're slightly overweight don't do it final 30 minutes of Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC it's nice to have company, welcome to Friday a bit overcast at the moment but then they say rain is on the way and it might be heavy uh, still warning us about Hurricane Bertha Prince William's going to pilot an air ambulance uh, next year uh, the gang who murdered the two British medical students facing the death penalty in Malaysia, Joe Rivers' astonishing rant, uh, the benefit-cheat fraudsters we've told you about, we found another one, the new aspirin drug that costs 10p a day, and the toddler who sparked a security scare at the White House. They get a bit panicky, don't they? Oh, and anger as the latest breast cancer treatment is blocked. That and more on LBC with me, Steve Allen, between now and 6.30.
0: This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Friday morning. Very overcast
1: outside. I don't want to worry you or anything, but uh, I think rain is imminent, especially in the London area, and I think probably you're going to get it all over the place today. Over the weekend, they've said it could be particularly bad. Uh, If you swear in Oz, they're going to fine you. It's what you don't remember when you go on holiday, that there are laws and customs in other countries. Do we get any nearer equality? The answer is no, we don't, between men and women. The toddler who sparked that security scare at the White House. Most expensive bedsit up for sale, just a pound short of a million, for one room, only in London. I've got a 40-room castle in Scotland, and that's 1.2 million, but you do get an art collection thrown in. And that's on LBC This Morning. Still warning us about Hurricane Bertha. I don't, I don't like to tell you too much about the, about the weather, I'm afraid, because just in case it really depresses you a lot. But looking at it, it doesn't, it doesn't look uh, good at all. It really looks like we're in for a very wet, miserable, overcast kind of a day. And that's going to transfer over the weekend. Heavy thundery showers developing. And I'm looking outside and I'm thinking, you know, you're not wrong. It looks as though it could go heavy thundery rain with some sunny spells. Further southwest, heavy showers possible. Mainly dry with warm sunny spells today. Currently, it's about 17, 18 degrees. It'll climb to 22 degrees later on. So, not as warm as it was yesterday. And then. The heavy showers affecting eastern counties. Many parts dry. A few mist patches developing tonight in rural areas towards morning. And then just a chance of a shower tomorrow. So it's generally a dry day with warm, sunny spells. And then Tuesday, uh, up to Tuesday from Sunday, details a bit uncertain. Heavy rain or showers expected. And perhaps also very windy. This could be Hurricane Bertha coming in. Just the tail end of it, I think. Just the tail end. And uh, why smiling won't help if you're feeling miserable. You know, somebody says, oh, smile. You know, tell your face. Tell your face you're feeling happy inside. Apparently, most of you want to cheer up your friends if they're feeling low. But it turns out it might be better to leave them alone. Trying to make somebody smile when they're unhappy it could actually leave them feeling worse. So, in other words, somebody sits there and you go, oh, smile. You go, don't nothing to smile about, is there? What is there to smile about? People get themselves into this sort of, into the doldrum. But apparently, the next time they smile, it could bring back miserable memories instead of lifting the bad mood. You get some people who naturally smile, though, don't you? Some people have got a natural smile. Their face always looks happy. Whereas I know people whose face permanently looks like as a sort of hangdog. You know, it's, they, they've got a permanently miserable face. And you're like, come on, smile a bit. And they go, I am smiling, <laughs> it's just you can't see it. <sighs> oh, dear. TV chef Marco Pierre White never liked him. Don't even like his adverts on the television. was last night accused of driving staff away from one of his pus- uh, b- pubs with his bossy... Management style. A regular uh, customer, the Pear Tree Inn, claims it is virtually closed. And some 15 members of staff have left, including the manager and the chef. Those who book rooms are being sent to a nearby hotel, and tables couldn't be reserved yesterday. Apparently, Councillor Terry Chivers, who's been visiting the pub in, in Whitley in Wiltshire for more than 20 years, says he's gone through about eight or nine chefs. I think it's because they're not allowed to run it how they think it should be run. But the final straw came two or three weeks ago, and most of the staff resigned en masse, basically because he wouldn't let them manage. They just got frustrated. But the manager, Duncan Jager, that sounds a bit posh, doesn't it, for a pub? Duncan De Jager denied it had lost its staff and said customers were only being turned away because the kitchen and some rooms were being refurbished. He denied Stafford resigned en masse, but said some younger ones had left to go to university. He said, I am leaving, but I just want to take on something by myself. That's the only reason. I've got a lot of respect for Marco. Unfortunately, Mr White was unavailable for comments uh, last night. It's always that way, isn't it? Has he got any comment about this? No, he doesn't want to talk about it. But is, is he a pain? Well, he doesn't want to talk about it. Well, I mean, people have said he's a pain. He doesn't want to talk about it. Okay, so he is a pain. (laughs) There you go. That's the best you can can get. Uh, More on this story. It's in the mail today, and the doctor's despairing as the... as uh, Nice rejects the breast cancer drug number eight. And there's, there's so many people who need it, but they will not spend the money. They will not go for it. There's one lady here called Hayley, and she's been granted precious extra time with her four children thanks to this drug. She was told she had advanced breast cancer... And uh, after months of being misdiagnosed, by this time the cancer had spread to her liver and she was told she had just eight months to live. Uh, she lost her hair, suffered many side effects, moved on to different things. But uh, now she's uh, she's got this drug. She's on her sixth cycle. The tumours on her liver and lungs are now stable and she's had minimal side effects. You see, I think if, if it prolongs people's life or saves people's lives or halts, you know, cancer or anything like that, I think they have to find the money. I don't care if they have to print more money. I think they have to actually have it. If something is there and it's available as a cure, then I, I think they, they they should say to people, listen, this, in the, this is how much it costs. Are you able to finance this yourself? Because I'm sure some people who've, who've got the money are able to finance something like this. There are, there are drugs available. You can actually, you know, you can get them. You've just got to have enough money to do it. And if we don't have enough money, then the NHS has got to find the money. I just think it's right that way. I don't think you can... You can say to somebody, it is a death sentence, when you know that the drug is available, it's just that they won't spend the money on it. Uh, Beards on Bake Off, says Tracy. Obviously, Paul Hollywood's goatee doesn't count. No, I don't think that counts. I think what they're talking about is full beards. I think they're saying it's it's a bit unhygienic. I think that's what they're saying. Uh, Tricia says, haven't had a holiday since 2006, but in September me and five best mates off to New York to celebrate two fiftieths, the 63rd my granddaughter's first, we're calling it the Here Come the Girls Tour, nobody could be more excited, oh if, you, if you've never been to New York you'll love it, absolutely love it it's, it's got everything there that you, um, that you think it's got, everything that you've seen on the television comes to life in New York, the shopping's great, it's not bad for us at the moment, not bad do you know one in eight of you one in eight of you never use the internet. You do not use the internet. Is that because you're frightened of it? Or it's because you don't have a computer? But, you know, for most people, it's an integral part. I don't think a day goes by where I do not go on the computer. I don't think there's an hour goes by where I don't go apart from when I'm sleeping, when I don't go on the computer. It comes as a shock to those people who regularly buy goods online. Me. Do you email people, Steve? No, I don't. I don't, because I don't, know how to, I don't know how to set up an email to send to somebody. If, if somebody's address is in my system, I can send them an email or I can reply to them. Jenny, I will later. Um, <laughs> I forgot to do it yesterday. But uh, that's the only thing I do. I just go online. I buy things. I, I check things out. If somebody's said, oh, this, is, this celebrity's coming in for In Conversation, I'd like to check them out on there. And I do that. And then I print off here. So I've got it all, so I was reading about somebody who I'm doing on Monday next week, and I've got two to do on Tuesday, but I'll do that research on Monday. So, it, so I've got it fresh in my mind. But I can't believe one in eight people never use the internet. And yet for elderly people, this can be an absolute boon. An absolute boon. If you've got a little bit of money, you can go into, you know, any one of a number of places. Go to somewhere like John Lewis or somewhere like that. Go to a big department store and get them to explain a simple computer to you. Because once you've learned how to do it, there's lots of silver surfers out there. Lots and lots of you. And uh, and people say, oh, it's easy. I can talk on Skype. I can do this. I can do that. I can find out. I can read books. You can do anything. Absolutely anything. Because do you know that there is a story in the paper today, and I was going to do it earlier on. It's about how a lot of elderly people go eight days, at least, without talking to a living soul. They never talk to anybody because they they, they don't have any friends near them. They don't know people in their area. They don't talk to somebody. But I've got an article which I'm going to cut out and give to the producer. It's called... How to kill a lobster and not feel guilty. Because a lot of chefs feel guilty about killing lobsters. And so they give it to a junior chef in the kitchen because they say it isn't so much... It, it's not the screaming that the lobster does, which is not screaming, it's air escaping from the shell, but it's the flapping of the tail at the end, which signifies that it's hurting them. And, and they're going to die. But the trouble is, it's a crustacean, And so they've invented um, this machine now, which is called uh, a crustaston. It sounds a bit what it is, it electrifies it. It does it, it kills it by electrification. But it says here, lobsters, unlike many fish and shellfish, have to be cooked very soon after coming out of seawater. That's why they're generally put straight into the pot. Another reason is that lobsters harbour microbes that cause them to rot quickly when dead, a serious food poisoning risk. That's why you leave it too long and there'll be little or no meat in the shells. They taste terrible and you risk illness. Better to cook and kill them at one go most chefs' reason, but there is a way to kill a lobster humanely before cooking it. Sorry to ruin your morning, I'm afraid, on a Friday. This'll, this'll do people in. They say one method involves piercing its central nervous system using a sharp instrument. This kills it instantly, but skill and experience need to be used. Alternatively, you can sedate a lobster or a crab before boiling it by putting it in the freezer for at least two hours. They say what they do, this is what the, the producer did, they become comatose. And barely wake when placed in the hot water. So that's what you have to do. I mean, I said that before. When, when we've done lobsters on the programme, well, we haven't actually cooked anything because I couldn't bear it. But they say, put them in the freezer, it chills them down, they go to sleep, and then you put them in hot water, they don't feel it, it just, you know, just kills them like that. I wish I'd never started this conversation, but it's a whole page on how to kill a lobster and not feel guilty about it. Because you do feel guilty, don't you? Our one moved in the box upstairs, and then he ate it next door. Nothing to do with me, he ate it, I never touched it. Quarter past six. Coming up with Nick Ferrari. Uh, This morning at seven, the major announcement from Nick Clegg, changing the way we punish drug users. But are we too soft on those who take them? Plus the council in Britain that's raked in hundreds of thousands of pounds by targeting hapless motorists. And head of this weekend's Ride London cycle event in the southeast, Nick will be asking, is it worth the disruption? You can join Nick and the team from seven this morning. Looking at the papers today, Glenna Glaser, political commentator, former political correspondent to Sky News, will be live in the studio going through the stories which, which we've uh, been through this morning for you and tried to get a... So a balanced look at everything that's going on. John Cleese's comic daughter mocks his latest wife. And uh, she's Camilla Cleese is a stand-up comedian. I suppose if your father's John Cleese, you can't really be anything else at all, can you? Uh, There's also the number of patients languishing on NHS waiting lists for operations at its highest for six years. Uh, Steve, seniors wanting to learn computers, use your local library. Tuition and one hour each day is free. There you go. That's the place to go then. I should have remembered your local library. If you're a silver surfer and you want to know more about it, do that. Because there'll be other people there who can who can teach you. Lynn says, as long as Hurricane Birth from the Rain doesn't turn up tomorrow morning, as we're moving mum and dad, it'll be a total chaos as it is. Yeah, I think it might be here. I think tomorrow you should be all right. Sunday, I wouldn't guarantee at all. Neil in Maidstone, just got back from Sorrento. First time and it's the Italian paradise. Very romantic, isn't it, Sorrento? Is it very romantic? hope so. And uh, another one here says, uh, talking about beards on on Bake Off, what is it with beards nowadays? I don't know. I have no idea. Who knows, for goodness sake. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Front page of the Daily Star today, Big Brother Bully Helen, Wags Ban. This is is, uh, Jenny Thompson and Helen Wood. And uh, they say she's been blacklisted, Helen Wood, by nightclubs to keep her away from Premier League footballers. Well, just to keep her away from anybody, really. She's, she's quite ghastly. Uh, the Inbetweeners doing very, very well. Very, very well. Two point something million they've done. Um, this is another story here uh, of the X Factor boss Simon Cowell leading an army of more than 200 celebrities, including Tom Daly, David Walliams. Quacky, there's loads and loads of people. And uh, Ben Fogel. Uh, Dan Snow, Tom Holland, June Sarpong. Who got June Sarpong? did you know she was still around. She was sort of like the big light on Channel 4, then she just disappeared completely. Uh, the TV bosses say that Jeremy Clarkson is no racist. They say that the programme, Danny Cohen has said that the programme runs a bit close to the edge, but, you know, he doesn't... You know, everybody says things. He said, but I don't believe that he's a racist at all. He said, whilst Jeremy and I disagree on the language, uh, some have recently found very offensive, I don't think he or anybody else on the Top Gear team are racist. No, they're not. It's just people sort of seeing something that, that they want to see. You know, nine out of ten times, they're, they're completely wrong. Do you know, I forgot to bring you yesterday, and I've now lost the story about the new plastic graves arriving in this country. And it's like a frame that fits into the ground. That's, that's all I could tell you, because I cannot remember anything about it. Anything about it at all. Uh, great news for all the blokes who want to smell like Cheryl Fernandez. She's thinking of releasing a male fragrance. Don't waste your money. It's ridiculous. She's a woman. What does she know about it? It's just called Shameless Cashing In. And, um, a mole in Cheser's camp, that'll be her PR, says her husband, Jean Bernard, is helping her out with it, advising her on what works. What does he know? He's a restaurateur. Don't know anything about perfumes and male fragrances. And, God, here's, here's Gary... Gary Boring Lineker. God, dear, I honestly wish him and his family would disappear somewhere. But anyway, they've got lots of uh, new flavours of crisps. We tried one the other day. They're just odd-shaped crisps with colours that come off on your fingers. But well, not too exciting. I think one of those hot, hot dog rolls with tomato ketchup or something. I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, something, something terribly tedious. And an ex-motorbike world champ turned his bedroom into a business flogging fake Ugg boots on eBay. Sean Morris peddled the counterfeit gear including Nike trainers and Timberland shoes. His bedroom was piled high with boxes. £100,000. He comes from uh, Charnock, Richard, in Lancashire, and he had various eBay accounts with uh, celebrity names. His mum and sister allowed cash to be transferred through their banks and PayPal accounts. A nasty little piece of work. His mum was ordered to pay twelve and a half grand and £11,500 costs in two months, caught by tra- trading standards. He's been jailed for 14 months. Yeah! Bit of a fool there, eh? World champion. World nobody now, which is not so good, is it? Um, Ebola, the killer from outer space, they say that meteorites could carry the deadly virus. And the bizarre story in the paper today of a fraudster who stole cash by pretending to be a pilot like Leonardo DiCaprio's character in the film Catch Me If You Can. Jobless Timothy Giles started dating a number of women he met online after he told them stories of his made-up career. When he met them, he pretended he's left his credit cards on foreign trips and scammed them out of hundreds of pounds. Bizarre, isn't it, that people can get away? Mind you, some people tell very good stories. Very, very good stories. Um, Front page of The Mirror today student docks killers on 40-pier hit Crystal Meth. The Daily Express running with William to pilot air ambulance. Storm Bertha, dangerous 70-mile-an-hour winds, and a month's rain in three days. That's what they're saying. Might be wrong, might not be wrong. We do not know. And, uh, oh, quirky, wait a minute. I've lost lost my page, actually. It disappeared in front of me. Front page of the uh, Express today. Wedding bells, Clooney's bride's secret mission. Nobody in the business can believe that George Clooney's actually getting married to somebody called Amal. But apparently he is. And uh, computers, Steve. I'm 50 next week. But back in the day when computers were just starting out, I was convinced I'd never need or use one. How wrong could I have been? You and me together. I said exactly the same. When they moved computers into LBC all those years ago, I said, I'm still going to use the typewriter. They said, no, we're, we're taking away the typewriters. You will be using computers. I went, no, I won't. I shall never be using the computers. Lo and behold, all these years later, I'm using a computer. Who'd have thought it was possible? And I have a, I've got one at home. I'm on about my third, and I've got iPads and mini iPads. I've got the whole, I've got the whole caboodle ladies and gentlemen, it's just that I never thought I'd do it. So for all those people who go, oh, I'm too old to learn about doing these sort of things, you're never too too uh, old to learn about doing it. Never, ever too old at all. You can go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. You can learn about podcasting. I have a free podcast up for you every day, including my Sunday show, which is live every Sunday between 6 and 8 as we go through the Sunday papers. We have In Conversation this week, Sinead O'Connor and Robson Green. It's repeated at 9 o'clock on a Sunday evening, but if you podcast then you can download them and keep them for as long as you want, and there's a, there's a whole raft of, uh, of people up there who are available to be podcasting. We've got a free app on the LBC website, and if you download that, then once we've downloaded the programme it sends it automatically to your phone or to wherever you're having it sent to. So it's worth doing. LBC.co.uk for as little as £2 a month but there is a free podcast up, up uh, every day. So Sunday I'm back with you and I look forward to your company then as we go through the Sunday papers, and we're slightly irreverent about some of the things that go on in there, especially if it involves celebrities. In fact, the more celebrities that there are involved, the happier I can be. Wish you a pleasant weekend. I'm hoping that the rain and the storm isn't going to be as bad as they've said it is from Sunday. Today there will be rain when it comes in and where it's coming in. We're not particularly sure at the moment, but it certainly will be. So uh, take care, wrap up, take an umbrella, because you might need it at some point. So I'm back on Sunday at five with In Conversation, Sinead O'Connor, Robson Green, and live from 6am. If you missed any of today's show, listen again whenever and wherever you like with our new podcast service. Download the app on the LBC website. Later on LBC, Nick Ferrari is here from seven. Next, Lisa Aziz with the morning news.